accepted as any totalitarian government. You just take something that everybody's doing and you declare it illegal. It's the same way that America uses drug laws until white people start doing that particular drug. Ideally, you take stuff that people couldn't stop doing even if they wanted to. You create an impossible minimum expectation and then you load a motherfucker up with guilt every time they fall short of it. Hell, in this case, they even add an omniscient being that can see every transgression, even if you don't get caught. Hell, even the ones you don't make. Right? Because with Christianity, even temptation to sin is enough to trigger the guilt. Where a sane person would see overcoming that temptation towards an indecent act as a sign of moral fortitude, Christianity still defines that as a failing. Even wanting to sin is a sin. Now, I guarantee goddamn to you that we're going to spend the next week or two here in Pundit's retreat to their partisan corners to blame their villain du jour. And some of that's going to be legitimate. Much of it's not going to be. But virtually nobody will talk about the elephant in the fucking room. Virtually none of them are going to talk about the sexual repression that sits at the very heart of fundamentalist philosophy, which is weird because they'd sure as hell do that if the shooter's dad was in a mom. They're talking about your Jesus. interrupt this broadcast bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are the Heath and Eli to my Noah, Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick. Fellas, are you just plain ready? And that's the end of the show. Podcast <laughs> retired. Sorry, we, we, had a good run, go. guys. we had a good run. As long as I had new triplets. <laughs> it was all a dream inside Jerry Falwell's snow globe. Want to wake up next to Florence Henderson or whoever that was. <laughs> In our lead story tonight, the Catholic Church did something horribly evil. That is way less problematic than normal. So, well, thank you. <laughs> That's a win for them, I guess. Rather than sexual abuse, it's only bigotry. So that's cool. They were asked about whether a priest can bless a same-sex union. Apparently, there was some confusion about their stance on that. <laughs> so they offered some official guidance, again, more, regarding exactly how much bigotry should apply to their magic spells going forward. And the answer is... Still all of it. Yep. Still mm-hmm. doing yeah. the whole amount of bigotry. According to the Vatican, they will not allow same-sex marriages to get a blessing. Yeah, and, and look, I said it on Facebook, but I'll say it again. They don't have the authority to tell anybody whether or not same-sex marriage is moral. So all they're telling us is whether or not they are moral. And we already knew. Yep. yep. Hey, everybody, it's me, the Catholic Church. Just thought I'd take a little break from my decades-long pedophilia scandal and telling people not to get a life-saving vaccine to act as a moral authority. You ready? Don't fuck dudes. Okay, back to pedophilia. Yeah, right. Cool. Right. Glad we clarified. That was <laughs> That's important. That's their march. <laughs> so this official ruling comes from the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith. Doctrine of Faith. You might remember them from... Uh, doing the Inquisition. Yep, that, that was, was them. That was, <laughs> seems like it might eliminate that department from the yes, corporate structure right. at this point. You figure management's going to find, you know, a few redundancies after your team does a fucking genocide. But no, still a thing. And according to them, according to the Inquisitor team, quote, it is not licit to impart a blessing on relationships or partnerships, even stable, that involve sexual activity outside of marriage, i.e., Outside the indissoluble union of a man and a woman open to the transmission of life. The presence in such relationships of positive elements, which are in themselves to be valued and appreciated. So, yeah, that was nice of them to add. Yeah, right. Cool. No, I was threw them a little <laughs> bone there. Yeah. The presence of positive elements cannot justify these relationships, since the positive elements exist within the context of a union not ordered to the creator's plan. 
Jesus Christ. statement like, from the Inquisitors. Like success for liberal Catholics at this point is forcing the bigotry to be more verbose. <laughs> yeah, so all that sounds pretty bad. But they did explain how technically all those uh, abominational people, in their opinion, they get blessed a la carte, technically. <laughs> they just can't have their union of sin mm-hmm. get blessed as part of like a package deal. <laughs> Here's the concession statement that that followed what we just heard. Just a reminder, the last thing we heard was basically, fuck you, your love is a glitch in God's matrix. Continuing from there, quote, at the same time, the church recalls that God himself never ceases to bless each of his pilgrim children in this world because we are more important to God than all of the sins that we commit. But he does not and cannot bless sin. He blesses sinful man so that sinners can recognize that they're part of his plan of love and allow themselves to be changed. God takes us as we are, but never leaves us as we are. And, quote, that they're really proud of the little stupid <laughs> parallel structure thing at the end. Jesus fucking... In other words, it's okay to bless gay people because eventually maybe they'll stop being that. Yeah. Literally, yeah. yes. God loves you so much, he ignores the disgusting, revolting abomination that is the way you love. Oh, God, we nailed it. We nailed it. We <laughs> yep. did such a good job. Yep. Concession statement. Great. <laughs> Thank you. Softened it. And just for the record, about 73% of Catholic people disagree with the church's horrible bigotry on this topic. Yeah. Which means about 73% of Catholics should stop. Yeah. Should stop being mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Plus a bunch of other Catholics who support hating gay people, but maybe they're against, um, I don't know, kid fucking. Yeah, the raping. Bottom line, the Vatican will not allow Catholic people in same-sex marriages or unions to get blessed by a guy in a silly hat who hates them, despite all the demand that somehow exists for that. <laughs> Stop being Catholic. What well, do how can we be more clear on this? Just, do you want crackers? I'll give you crackers. Are you in it for the crackers? <laughs> And in demon baby news, televangelist Christian and melting bobblehead of Jimmy Carter, Pat Robertson, was asked on his program, The 700 Club, this week whether babies could be possessed. And his answer was not no. It was not no. (laughs) His answer was, well, it started with, ow, I'm being attacked in the face by a giant lemon. Why is this always happening to me? This is what I always look like. Also, yes, demon babies are real. That was his answer, basically. Jesus, sorry, Pat, I had to ask. He's vomiting all the time, babbles incoherently, tries to eat things off the floor. Classic demonic possession, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Checks all the boxes. So here's the story. Viewer Lisa called into the show and asked, quote, my question is regarding demonic possession. Already know. Nope. (laughs) Skip. (laughs) Can babies be possessed? Oh, God, no. And if so, oh, there's a fucking follow up. No, just no. Yes, <laughs> Gonna stop if you. So the else is not important. <laughs> Does the age of accountability come into play for salvation? Fucking what? <laughs> End of real question. If my if an eight year old is a literal demon, that's his fault, right? <laughs> asking for a demon friend, <laughs> yeah. not mine. Are you sure you're not trying to reach the Catholic Church, lady? <laughs> yeah. But Robertson's answer is somehow crazier than the question. He responded, quote, I just believe if that child is born to a family of devil worshipers, 
there's a real possibility that the devil will think that he has a claim over that child. Jesus Christ. I mean, it's horrible to contemplate, but I don't think that they're protected in some fashion from what's, I mean, a generational curse, end quote. Wow. So fucking stupid. Okay, but here's the real question. What if the demon is under the age of accountability? Like, stop wasting Pat Robertson's time and ask the important questions. The hard questions. Yeah. So, a couple things to point out about this. First of all, and I think we all already know this, it's homicidally dangerous. Yeah. Right? People don't ask if a baby is possessed because they're going to refuse its invitation to brunch. They ask because they're going to attempt to exercise that baby and... Believe me when I say, we see a lot of stories about babies who die that way. Yeah. We just don't report on them. Yeah, because it would be really fucking depressing. Look, look, th- this caller has a particular baby in mind. Yep. Right? Like, any any answer short of reporting that person to the FBI is homicidally dangerous. Even absolutely not falls short. Yeah. Right. Negligent. Secondly, the reason that people think that children are possessed overwhelmingly is because of medical or developmental problems. Yes. And now, thanks to Pat Robertson, even if this lady doesn't have an exorcism plant, she does, there is one less person in this baby's life who's going to get it the help it's need. And dang, doesn't it just tell you everything you need to know about Pat Robertson when you find yourself saying, oh, God, I hope this advice gets ignored. I hope this advice gets ignored. No shit. I'd say he should go fuck himself, but that's an insult to fucking oneself. And for more on that subject, I want to take a break from our first sponsor this week, Adam and Eve. <laughs> hey, podcast listener. Are you into butt stuff? E- Eli, Eli, what did we say about asking listeners about their sex life? Yeah, thank you. We had a whole meeting. It was no, long. No, I know that. I'm telling them about this week's sponsor, AdamandEve.com. There was a slideshow and everything. It was wait, very wait, clear. Wait, what's AdamandEve.com? Really? Well, they're the number one adult toy superstore. Originally started as a master's thesis in family planning, they were the first mail-order contraceptive business in America. But now they sell sex toys for whatever you're into. Butt stuff, outfit stuff, tying each other up stuff. They've got it all. Ooh, tying each other up stuff. That sounds great. The lady from the state came. She did. That's true. And right now, you can select almost any one item for 50% off when you enter offer code SCATHING at checkout. And then... Adam and Eve loads on the free stuff. Wait, what, what kind of free stuff? A cock ring, a vibrator, and a lube sample. Plus, six free spicy movies. Spicy. Oh, you mean porn? I sure do. Nice. Plus, free shipping. Wow, that does sound good. Wait, sorry, what's the offer code again? That's scathing. S-C-A-T-H-I-N-G. Offer code scathing at checkout at adamandeve.com. So no matter what you're into, head over to adamandeve.com and get yourself some sex stuff today. AdamandEve.com, because when there is no God, you can literally do whatever you want to, to your own butt. Uh, I don't think that's their catchphrase. Well, it should be. Okay. It really should be. <laughs> and in indentured monkey surf news, creatures <laughs> type man, live action nest from Earthbound, Matt Powell. Wow. Oh, that's so Oh, my God. Video last week. Yeah, he, he, tell me he doesn't no, have a yo-yo at all times. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> There's no way he doesn't have a yo-yo at all times. That's one of those perma names that we just have to stick with. We're not topping that. Yeah, so he made another video last week because that is his job. We are Mm -hmm. his boss. (laughs) And making ignorant videos about evolution is the entire job description. And we're such generous employers that we let him keep all the money he makes 
from Google AdSense when his YouTube videos get literally dozens of views. Scores even. (laughs) This one is up to 1,500 or so, actually. So he's really getting close to buying that race car bunk bed on his wish list (laughs) (laughs) to replace his non-race car bunk bed that he has as an adult. So the latest installment, it's all about how dinosaurs farted themselves into extinction. Wow, Matt, you're so close to convincing me to give up my atheism with this argument. If only there were some kind of video of someone withstanding an enormous amount of fart in an enclosed space to prove how fatal it is and why I'd probably love Jesus right then and there. (laughs) So here's how we get there. In 2012, there was a paper in the journal called Current Biology, and it explained how farting and burping by dinosaurs was a source of greenhouse gas, which might explain some amount of the rise in atmospheric temperature at the time. Interesting. To be clear, the time isn't like that day. Right. right. The time (laughs) is about 130 million years during which titanic sauropods were alive. And the paper mentioned absolutely nothing about extinction. It just said, maybe a bit warmer. That's it. Mm -hmm. But the climate alarmists at Fox News got a hold of the story (laughs) and wrote headlines like, Dinosaurs gassed themselves into extinction. And then, nine years later, Matt Powell found one of those headlines, and he really, really wanted that new race car bed, (laughs) so he made a video. (laughs) Okay, okay. Nobody tell him that you can't actually drive the race car bug beds. I want him to find out the hard way, okay? (laughs) Okay, I do kind of wish that was how farting worked, though, because... I eat a very fibrous diet, and I could save a ton on my heating bill. I really... (laughs) That is how farting works. So here's the commentary from Matt Powell. He starts by explaining the headline he saw at Fox News, and he can barely get through a sentence because he has to say fart and gas out loud, and he's a child. Mm -hmm. He almost breaks (laughs) down giggling multiple times, and then he finally tells us, quote, Evolution actually teaches that certain dinosaurs farted themselves into extinction. In schools across America, kids are learning this in colleges and universities. Yep, those are schools. Those are the names yep. of schools. Yep. <laughs> and they're being taught this theory every single day. No. <laughs> Side note, you're probably wondering, how does the Holocaust tie in? It's <laughs> a great question. <laughs> he continues, Hitler said, if you tell a lie big enough, loud enough, and often enough, People will believe it. And people laugh at you for not believing in evolution. And they mock you and say that you're too superstitious to believe in the facts. But they're the superstitious ones. <laughs> they are. Because anybody who believes that dinosaurs farted themselves into non-existence is putting trust in primitive superstition, end quote. Yeah, no, I will admit, man, those, those fucking biology classes at Fox News University are pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's just, that's a good reminder. Fox News was his source for science Mm -hmm. on this. Yep. So, just to review, here's the string of events. Sum it up for us. Yeah. Biology paper. Greenhouse gas can warm stuff. Nobody. Dinosaur farting apocalypse. (laughs) Fox News. Dinosaur farting apocalypse! (laughs) Matt Powell, nine years later. Dinosaur farting apocalypse! (laughs) Evolution is a hoax. I want a race car bump. (laughs) And in Devil in the Details news, you know, one of the questions we get quite a bit here at The Scathing Atheist is, what is your response to ex-creationist argument? Or how would you reply to why apologetic? And while the answer to both those questions is actually a 
tense dependent combination of fuck and you <laughs> this week we got in a reminder that even that is working too hard because the other side is coming at us with stuff like dinosaurs are the devil <laughs> yep that's right according to the bible satan the prince of darkness farted himself into extinction <laughs> yes he did that's real yeah, so this week's nugget comes to us from show favorite Pastor Gene Kim. Is he a show favorite? Oh, I, do you not love Gene Kim with your no, whole I heart do and soul? now. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, it wasn't yeah. established yet for me. Well, regular listeners might know why we love him for his theory that the earth is hollow and filled with hell <laughs> like a cream egg. Oh, uh, okay, that is not fair to hell, Eli. Pastor Kim <laughs> thinks that earth is filled with fire and eternal torture, and that is significantly more pleasant than the diabetic bunny sperm that they put in cream eggs. <laughs> yep, withdrawn. Withdrawn. Yeah. withdrawn. And it can't yeah. be hollow if it's filled with the fire and the cream. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. So I highly recommend watching Pastor Kim's entire video because, one, it's only nine minutes, and two, it is a delight. Yeah. It's pretty great. <laughs> but so the argument basically breaks down to when the Bible talks about Leviathan and Behemoth, it's not talking about how dinosaurs and men live together. That's ridiculous. It's talking about Satan. Because every time Leviathan and Behemoth are mentioned, the Bible also says that God is going to kill it with a sword. And who is God going to kill with a sword? I don't know. That's right. Satan. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. First of all, the Leviathan in the Bible was a kraken, literally a kraken, mm -hmm. and it represents all the heathens of the world besides the Jewish people or the Christian people. So the Bible is saying that God's going to carry out a genocide with a giant robot like Pacific Rim. Yep. That's in the Bible. That's yep. the story. You're not talking me down from that. I know what happened. <laughs> also, the behemoth is a hippo. It is a hippo. It's a hippo. So according to Pastor Kim... Satan, again, Satan, the prince of darkness, who wants to corrupt all the people on earth, turned himself into a hippo on the River Jordan and just sat there being like, nailed it. Okay, but the, actually, the more you know about hippos, the more sense that makes it. Like, if Satan was going to come <laughs> as a mammal. Give me the body of Eli Bosnick, and now <laughs> we wait. <laughs> so... Again, I cannot recommend watching this video enough. Pastor Kim delivers a sermon to himself at a whiteboard, like a like a French <laughs> duchess being surprised by the fillings of a box of chocolate. He's delighted. <laughs> he's, he's drawing lines between the word dinosaur and Satan yeah. at multiple angles. <laughs> it's just fun to watch him have fun. Yeah, right. There's a bunch of edits of him drawing lines. Yes, right, right, he, exactly. He like, didn't no, get it right. He was like, oh, cut, damn it, cut. That's... I tried to no. draw a line and hurt myself again. That was a rhombus. God damn it. <laughs> and finally tonight. And evangelicals have tiny little wieners nose. According to a... possible. Right on the nose. That's the headline. No, nope, you guys both happens. somehow passed this one up. According <sighs> to a paper published in the Journal of the Scientific Study of Religion, there is a strong correlation between the number of evangelicals in your state and the number of people Googling derivatives of how do I make my penis bigger. <laughs> is a real fact in the universe. That's science. This is a yep. journal of scientific study. Knowledge. Okay, researchers Samuel L. Perry and Andrew L. White, thank you guys, teased the data out of Google Trends by comparing the number of evangelicals per thousand in each state with the popularity of search terms like male enhancement, male enhancement pills, and penis pump. Because Amazing. apparently 
they somehow got the impression that we were running out of material for the show. <laughs> also, it's probably more than we think, that correlation. I'm guessing the study didn't look for every search. Like, it didn't look for big penis prayer and <laughs> intercessory yeah, big right, dick right. and incel support oh, yeah. group, stuff like that. <laughs> they didn't check everything. Now, you're probably tempted, as I was, to write this off as a byproduct of education. Right, like the less educated you are, the more likely you are to both be Christian and to think that some herbal supplement can grow your dick. Because giving Christians the benefit of the doubt and pointing out how much dumber they are than us is often the same thing. But green tea really does do that. But, oh, okay. <laughs> but this research takes that into account. Like even when you account for education, political preference, marital status, and race, the numbers still hold. Okay, but the cross-religious penis pump focus group is a weird room. Right? That's a weird vibe. <laughs> Rabbi, pastor. So, <laughs> now, of course, there's no indication that Christians with dicks actually have smaller dicks than dick-wielding atheists. So what do these data show? Well, the suggestion of the researchers themselves is that it's a result of the toxic masculinity inherent in the evangelical culture. Solid theory. Right. Yep. When, when a man is defined by his manliness and any deviation from traditionally masculine roles is seen as a personal flaw, it stands to reason that more and more people would be inclined to define themselves by the size of their dick. In the researcher's own words, quote, a higher prevalence of search for male enhancement terms mean men in that region not only feel that having a larger penis is important, but that their penis does not measure up. This is perhaps the very archetype of masculine insecurity, end quote. Yeah, so moral of the story, you should be on Google Maps looking for clitoris near me. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, there are weaknesses to this study. As the researchers point out, we don't know if men or women are the ones Googling this shit. We can only account for cross correlations to a limited degree. We can't parse the data any further than the state level. But it's not hard to imagine that the increasing focus of evangelicals with traditional patriarchal values is leaving more and more of them feeling physically inadequate. And when the most generous possible interpretation is, it's not that your dick is smaller than mine, it's that you think your dick is smaller than mine, it's still pretty good <laughs> ammunition for atheists. <laughs> that makes me happy. Yeah, right? And with a smile on your face, I guess we can close the headlines for the night. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Jumanji. And when we come back, we'll be that much closer to the outro music. All right, so if I make this shot, the score is tied 32-32, and we go into the tiebreaker round. Triple elimination. Triple exactly. elim. Hey, guys, have you seen the... Wait, wait, what are you doing in here? Oh, hey, Noah, I, I got to send out this package, but I didn't want the hassle of going to the post office, so Heath and I are having an octagonal series of events to decide and who has to go. score is tied. Oh, Faith. come on. Guys, if you want to skip the hassle of the post office, why not just use stamps.com? What's what's stamps stamps seriously seriously you were fixing the scoreboard I was I still stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS right to your computer stamps.com is a must-have for any business whether you're a small office sending out invoices an online seller shipping out orders or even a giant warehouse sending out thousands of packages a day stamps.com can handle it all with ease simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24/7 for any letter any package any class of mail anywhere you want to send it once your mail's ready just schedule it to pick up and drop off it's that simple. Wow, that does sound easy, but Eli and I spent a lot of money on these lawn darts. And flaming hula hoops. And the hoops, yep. Well, with Stamps.com, you get discounts of up to 40% off post office rates and up to 62% off UPS shipping rates. Not to mention, Stamps.com is a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. All right, Noah, I am sold. So, how do I give Stamps.com a try? 
Well, stop wasting time going to the post office or go to Stamps.com instead. There's no risk, and with our promo code SCATHING, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in SCATHING. That's Stamps.com, promo code SCATHING. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. So uh, what's the tiebreaker of it? Sockenbopper's Kumite. I see. Going to fill mine with rocks. No. One of our saving graces here at Skating Atheists is that people can only get so pissed about charity work, which is why our wonderful listeners have been willing to wait for two goddamn years as we steadily chip away at our 2019 <laughs> vulgarity for charity insults. So you're in a third. You're in a third. Yeah, so, well, so we're in the second year. But yeah, at least some of you need wait no longer since we've got several more to knock out tonight. First one is for you, Eli. Jonathan would like you to roast Irish politician Danny Healy Ray. Oh, how we are recording this on St. Patrick's Day, and how fitting. Someone has brought my yoichi toy to toy voice to life as a practical <laughs> joke. That's you. Uh, and had it defend, let me check here, uh, drinking and driving on the national stage. Yes, uh, Danny Healy Ray defended drinking and driving. In his role as a politician, this man is the avatar of interrupting a good time with your friends at the dive bar in Heath and I's hometown so that he can struggle through. May the road rise up to meet you <laughs> in the desperate hope that you'll invite him to sit down. But you won't because he smells like urine and his pockets are full of bar peanuts. <laughs> I mean, I like the peanuts part. Yeah. <laughs> All right. One for you here, Noah. Aaron like would like a roast of Al Jackson. Yeah, look, at first I thought this would be hard because the opening line of the description is, well, this is this guy that started such and such a homeless shelter, but it went downhill so goddamn quick. <laughs> he's, he's a super Christian asshole who uses his charity to proselytize to a captive audience. He tells his employees to pray about it when they sh say shit like, you know, is this OSHA compliant? He starts every speech <laughs> by thanking his personal Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in case I liked him too much, he uses words like onlyest. What? Yeah, and for that... Fuck you! Yeah, and for that last one alone, I hope your obituary ends with the words from the inside out. <laughs> <laughs> and Heath, Jacob would like you to roast the girl who went viral for rapping about being a MAGA kid. <laughs> <laughs> so I tried to follow the link that Jacob sent, but the video got taken down. Presumably for failing to meet YouTube's talent requirement. A very <laughs> high bar. But I looked up MAGA Kid Rapper. I found a bunch of other ones. And I learned two things. First of all, Republicans are breeding without a license. And yeah. it's crazy. We, it's spiraling out of control. We need to stop that. Also, I learned that the Geneva Conventions apparently don't apply to kids. There's like an age thing. Because those are rhymes against humanity. Oh, it's wow. the worst thing I've ever ever seen they hurt themselves on rhythm it's so bad oh it's like it's like fucking trying to read these dr seussian poems that conservatives keep putting up in defense of <laughs> racist pictures yeah what's your meter there a through z <laughs> you can't just keep that's nothing that's not there's no meter if you do that that's just letters they're all different all right noah you're up next spencer would like you to roast their friend landon yeah, God, Landon looks like a Chili's waiter who's been way too aggressive about upselling the appetizer. And according to Spencer, <laughs> Landon is neither religious nor atheist. Nope. Which 
makes him either a plasma or a gas, I think. And, and his girlfriend looks like she's never met a board game night that she didn't make sexually awkward. Okay. Another one for you, Heath. Florian would like a roast of German politician Marcus Soder, the president of Bavaria. Okay. At first, I genuinely thought Florian was joking and sent us a Bond villain. Yes! And was like, nah, it's, no, no, dude, roast this guy. He's, he's a real person. He's a German politician. No, he is, though. And we got a photo of Soder holding a cross. And he's very clearly figuring out something with a slow-moving laser and a crucifix. There's no <laughs> chance that's not what he's doing in that moment. Mm -hmm. So, Marcus Soder, bring it in. Uh, obviously, you didn't get the memo about this. If you have an umlaut in your name, you're not allowed to ask for a space program that has your face in the logo. <laughs> you're not. For Bavaria. <laughs> yeah. Which is literally what you did. He wanted the Bavarian Space Squad, Bavarian SS. And now we have to send a British guy with herpes to murder you. Yeah, yep. There's no other choice. choice. Kind of the way it would look, look. He's the exact kind of person that you expect when you find out he's the president of a political party that has its religion in the name. <laughs> yep. And Eli, James would like you to roast players who ruined D&D &D by trying to win it and having their characters act like murder hobos. Ah, <laughs> uh, D&D murder hobos. Because who doesn't want to get together with their three or four most socially awkward friends and have phone sex in front of everybody? <laughs> <laughs> These players are the kind that find it highly unlikely that a town would have guards and a police force while... They're trying to murder a shopkeep for weapons they can't use and gold they can't spend because it's imaginary. <laughs> and in doing so, they manage the impossible. They manage to lose Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Not just for them, <laughs> but for the Dungeons and Dragons themselves. <laughs> All right, Heath, I got another one for you. Frank wants you to insult dog cancer. <laughs> Great. This is fun. This is fun. Thanks, Frank. <laughs> yeah, so dog cancer, I mean, it does win every argument about religion in two words. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's great. Yep. Still not worth it, though. Lots of people use baby cancer instead of dog cancer in those arguments, but so many babies are shitty, and nobody wants to admit it. Just They're bad babies, but dog cancer wins every time. William Lane Craig's entire career should be giant, long speeches followed by, yeah, but dog cancer again. <laughs> hey, dog cancer, I win. The only thing funny about dog cancer is jingly chemo. Oh, but, Jesus but Christ. You, you really have to nail the timing of that pun. Yeah, you yeah, got to get it for a tour. Like right now. Like just now. Yeah, you know that. All right, Eli, I got a tricky one for you as well. Alex would like a roast of his twin brother, Alan. Yeah, I love this. This is actually the result of a roast-off. So Alan gave money for us to insult Alex, and Alex is paying back in kind. So that's good stuff. And that's especially appropriate because Alan looks like Little Orphan Annie's face is a meth poster. <laughs> so does Alex. <laughs> he looks like the last pirate to believe Big Lemon and not die of scurvy. <laughs> he has in this picture his arm around the naked torso of the drummer from King Buffalo, and the drummer from King Buffalo looks terrified to say anything wrong about Carrot Top's oeuvre of work. <laughs> there are proof-of-life photos with less terror in the eyes of the subjects. <laughs> All right, Noah, let me return the favor here. Brian would like a roast of his CEO, Tim. All right, so first of all, 
this motherfucker looks like the Mormon the other Mormons have to ditch before they can say darn it and hold their thumbs over the bikinis <laughs> and beach photos, okay? But but he's a Baptist, and we know that because despite the fact that the hospital he's in charge of is ostensibly secular, they still read explicitly Christian prayers of the goddamn intercom and respond to atheist complaints by reading the Christian apologetics bullshit flowchart. <laughs> Dog cancer. <laughs> right, I should probably talk about that. But when you just look like the Agent Smith they'd have inserted into the Matrix if it was an accounting program, I kind of have to focus on that. <laughs> all right. So now that we're all good and limber, it's time for another spightening round. The category here is friends. And I think we can all agree that nothing brings friends closer like the deep, dark secrets they hide together. So for this spightening round, I want you to tell me what your roastie is hiding. We're going to start with you, Eli. George would like to know what Tetchy Bugger is hiding. Oh, I love Tetchy Bugger, but it is obvious from the hat that he is wearing in this picture that he is hiding a collection of philosophy books with furry porn inside them. <laughs> I know a fellow fluff when I see one, Tetchy, you're not fooling anybody. I've never seen the face of a man more disappointed not to have a tail at any given moment. <laughs> you look like the Uber driver who eventually has to give Danny Haley Ray a ride home. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and Heath, what is Eric's buddy Steve hiding? Well, he looks like Josh Forstein's Funko Pop, <laughs> so definitely not hiding that. No, that's clear. Uh, that's right, right up front. And that includes the backwards-fitted baseball cap that's about to burst into fucking flames from the force <laughs> of compressing his upper head into that tiny space. So I guess he is hiding a, a Charles Law experiment, first of all, <laughs> and a forehead that looks like my inner thighs after running for a train in London. Just <laughs> raw. <laughs> Okay, Noah, one for you here. What is Paul's friend Raphael hiding? An unrequited sexual attraction to Paul. Okay, <laughs> this is friend in the loosest possible sense of the term, but literally everything in Paul's message was consistent with Catholic friend who isn't allowed to want to fuck a dude being mad at you for being a dude he wants to fuck. And he's Catholic <laughs> also, so he's probably hiding child rapists too, just like just yeah. dem demographically. Stop that. Generally, yeah. All right, so let's keep digging. Heath, tell us what Michael's friend Dave is hiding. <laughs> okay, so we got a picture of Dave at a barbecue. This is my favorite picture we've ever gotten. He's so very clearly hiding the fact that he really has to shit. He's holding oh! it in. But he started holding a little bit too late, and now he cannot move for the rest <laughs> of that barbecue. That is what I'm looking at. 100%. I call that move the Bosnick, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Noah, I got one for you here. Tell us what David's friend Kyle is hiding. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not sure what he's hiding, but from the look of the face on this picture, I can tell you where he's hiding it. <laughs> Incidentally, it's the same place where he gets all his information about nutrition. <laughs> Eli, let's have you close out the spiting round with a roast for whatever Cullen's friend Nick is hiding. Oh, yes, Nick. Nick? is hiding the boat he built while he was drunk at the bottom of the first body of water he tries to float it on. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> Nick, buddy, he, he sent me a picture. It's a box. I know, I know, you painted it gray, but baby Moses and Ken Ham are giving that shit the side-eye, buddy. Do not try to float it. Do not. Leave it on your lawn. All right, excellent spiting round, although that warning may have come a little too late. This next one is for me. Mark would like a roast of Mormon leader Russell M. Nelson, and I'm pretty sure I've insulted this motherfucker before, 
But when you make your living presiding over a literal gilded lie that uses its ill-begotten power to dehumanize LGBTQ people and drive young men to suicide for masturbating, I'm okay double-dipping. <laughs> so... Russell M. Nelson, president of the Church of the Latter Mormon of Mormon Mormon Mormons, <laughs> you look like Mr. Smithers fucked the naked mole rat. <laughs> All right, Eli, Jim would like you to roast Pennsylvania State Representative Frank Ferry. Yeah, Frank. Oh, you managed to be an almost good politician for Pennsylvania, which is fitting <laughs> because he has the not quite Philadelphia standard of faces. He looks like the face on a knockoff brand of hair dye. Right? Like if, if there were a used car salesman salesman, he would look like Frank Ferry. All right, excellent. And uh, Heath, April wants a good roasting for her ex-boyfriend, Gerald. Okay, so imagine the headline, Michigan cocaine dealer arrested outside of underage dance club. <laughs> You are picturing Gerald. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Gerald. And you're picturing a real headline about Gerald. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We did it. Uh, all right. Eli, Mark, I'm, this one's going to upset me. Mark would like you to roast ASMR. Thank you, Mark, for this chance at last to address the weird fuck stuff that somehow made it into the world for all of us to see. I don't know how you perverts managed it, but you need to take your sexual shame and put it back in private immediately. There are YouTube channels just openly tickling the ears and spines of weirdos everywhere without shame. What? How did this happen? We didn't, as a society, just decide crushing porn was kid-friendly or start casually talking about our latex fetish, you deviants, you destroyers of society. You could just pull up to any coffee shop you find, filled with God-fearing Americans, filled with children, and get your disgusting oral rocks off for all to see. You should be tarred and feathered, driven before us with rocks and sticks. Also, I don't get it, and I'm jealous. I don't understand it. It should be. Bigot. It's supposed to be nice. Yeah, it, is. it is. All right, Noah. Got one for you here. Eli's a bigot. One more time. Just want to repeat mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Julie would like a roast of her dogs or of herself. Okay, but before I get to that, you know what they used to call ASMR? They used to call it a braingasm, Eli. That's how good it feels. <laughs> they did? Braingasm. Yeah. Whatever. I, you guys can't. So, anyway, so Julie wants a roast <laughs> of her dogs or herself. And normally this would be a no-brainer, right? I'd, I'd, I'd roast Julie. But Julie is a middle-aged retro gaming animal lover from Michigan, loves 80s movies, sci-fi, and comic books, and I'm not ready to look that deep into the fucking mirror. So, <laughs> fuck Sonny and Delilah. Delilah is a Datsun Chihuahua mix, which is the fucking black jelly bean of dogs to begin with. And when Julie was describing Sonny's attributes, she puts love to roll around in turkey shit and dead fish right next to loves to cuddle. So he's dusting off the obscure tabs on Pornhub, apparently. There's an ASMR for that, too. Yeah, right. Speaking of dusting off the obscure tabs on Pornhub, this next one's for you, Heath. Stephen would like you to roast German Chancellor Angela Merkel. Okay, so, yeah, Stephen asked for a roast about Merkel's immigration policy. Mm. And considering the fact that Germany has more refugees than any other country in Europe, kind of wondering if Stephen wants his face on the logo for the Bavarian Space <laughs> <laughs> Germany actually has more political refugees than any other country in the world. That's majority white people. I mean, still, <laughs> yeah. Not the highest bar, but still, it's something. All that being said, back in 2010... Merkel basically said that immigrants need to become more Aryan, yeah. more Christian. Really said something like that. 
which doesn't play well when you look like you're guarding the bridge to Germany with your Nazi riddles three. Maybe I'll <laughs> look for a different stance. <laughs> Better you than me, Heath. Better you than me. I think she has looked for a different stance more recently. No, yeah. Yeah. Uh, fucking horse stance, maybe. It's real she hard for Americans to look down on Angela Merkel. Because yeah, no, right. she'll hip throw us. Well, that's that. All right. I got another one for you. Noah, Anthony, would like you to roast his buddy's ex, Emily. Okay, her face looks like the fucking Mercator projection. <laughs> it's, 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 it like really a, it's like a three-dimensional face being just like represented on a two-dimensional plane while trying to maintain all the proper distances and shit. Oh, it's just, and also she has to, she has the ability to accidentally cheat on her husband, which I get. You know, the other day I meant to pick up double A batteries and I accidentally fucked the lady. It's, it's like, it's like that. It's like that. I get it. I get it. Okay. Uh, Heath, Mickey would like a roast of their uncle Mark. Yeah. Okay. So according to Mickey, despite attending a university in quote, fuckville, Texas, uncle Mark is still the shittiest person Mickey's ever met. Now, granted, Fuckville sounds way better than most of Texas. <laughs> sounds like an interesting plan. Oh, we like to fuck. That's what we called. Sounds interesting. But, yeah. uh, you know, still not great. Not great. And Uncle Mark is an anti-choice Catholic deacon who is skeptical about the Me Too movement because, quote, women are all telling the same story. What? Yeah. But that story is sexual assault, yeah. which, you know, tends to have some recurring themes. It's confusing, Uncle Mark. I get it. You know, what are the odds? All these robberies involve theft. It's like, <laughs> what are the fucking odds? And also, I get it. You know, it's hard to form thoughts when you're constantly worrying about achieving the perfect visual sweet spot between Jeff Foxworthy and Luigi from Nintendo. <laughs> There's a lot to think about. You're constantly it. calibrating. Yeah. It's hard. You've got to hit it right in the middle, and you, you look go. beautiful. I'm <laughs> smarter than a third grader. <laughs> All right, so Eli, Alex would like you to roast Leg of Lamb. Yeah. Now, I, first I was like, that's a weird roast. But it is a weird dish if you think about it for a second, right? First of all, unless your dinner entertainment is a jester, you probably live in a time and place too modern to be eating that dish. But more importantly, it's a weird fucking name, right? Meat eating aside, let's get some of your weird carnivore code going on here, right? People? Yeah, right. Steak, <laughs> chops. Something. Leg of land. Care for arm of bunny. Have a smile of puppy. This comes with potato dicks and cucumber dreams. I don't think you're having the effect on me that you were intending to. Yeah, that smile of puppy sounds delicious. All right, so let's let's close things up with some roast for our heavy hitters. These folks chipped in the big bucks, and damn it, if that doesn't make them special. Let's start with Michael's boss, Nick. Oh, we got a shot of Nick at the bar here, and he is... Without question, about to snap in the bartender's face or yes, hold up a five dollar bill to try to get his yes. attention. Yes, he absolutely is. Probably both of those things at the same time. And uh, I'm taking that five dollar bill and walking back to the kitchen right away. That's what's happening if I'm bartending. <laughs> yeah, man. Yep. Leg day. Cool. Cool. It is leg day for you. I'll definitely be right back. I'm totally coming right back <laughs> to help you with your uh, fucking Jaeger bombs. Yeah, he looks like if Cuts Clothing's ad copy was a guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so next up, we need a roast for Derek's friend, Brad. Oh, okay, so what's worst about Derek is that he's a Patreon donation moocher. Yep. That's right, Brad. 
We heard about you trying to mooch off Derek's commercial-free extended version of the show. You are stealing food out of my baby's mouth, Brad. Stealing it. Why don't you just come over to my house and punch my baby in the face while you're at it? You unrepentant murderer. Escalating. Also, you look like the Keebler elf dropped out of the band like Randy Best. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, Pete Best? The Beatles guy? Yeah, Pete Best. Not Randy Best. Who's Randy Best? (laughs) Nobody. All right. Yeah, he looks like the kind of guy, too, that you want to clarify the why don't you punch my baby thing was rhetorical with, right? <laughs> also, but but great beard, by the way, dude. I totally did not notice your receding hairline. It's doing its job. Yeah. I didn't even notice, Brett. All right, here's here's an easy one. Dan would like us to roast the Pennsylvania State Legislature. Okay, uh, but before we do the roast, I'd like to start with an invocation, if you guys don't mind. Mm. But oh, you know what? Actually, that's illegal in Pennsylvania yeah. because I believe in less than one God, oh. and they spent like 1.2 million dollars trying to make that <laughs> officially a law. So I guess we could just go ahead and talk about fixing roads with damage from metal square carriage wheels in Lancaster County. Yeah, right. <laughs> Hopefully, you'll have plenty of money after you spent that 1.2 million preventing me from doing an invitation. God, why is it that everything that follows Pennsylvania State Legislature in the headlines sounds like an item from an unenthusiastic Legion of Doom brainstorming session? <laughs> right? It's like where it's like you're where all the bad guys from boring political thrillers go to die. <laughs> Tom Clancy's trash can, the political party. Yeah, exactly. Okay, but I will say this about the Pennsylvania State Legislature: it is perhaps compensated by their coat of arms, which is <laughs> literally an old-timey plow. A boat, some wheat, and two horses who look fucking horrified that this is yes. their coat of arms. They look like they just got their coat of arms back from Fiverr, and these horses are not happy. They're like, we need a refund <laughs> right now. All right, so next up, Nicholas wants a roast of his two daughters. Uh, see, now this this one is a challenge, because Nicholas's daughters are adorable, perfect-looking, blonde-headed Norwegians, except... They are very clearly about to throw whoever is taking this picture off the cliffside yes. the photo is yep. being taken at. <laughs> yep. So they're murderers. My most for these children is that they're murderers who murder. <laughs> and Nicholas, just in case you were their victim and you're in heaven now listening to this podcast, you are gone but not forgotten, Nicholas. Yeah. You are gone but not forgotten. <laughs> yeah, no, they're almost too cute to roast, but just almost. Yeah, They're like the, the ones that would interrupt your tricycle ride if, a Walt Disney Resort was haunted, right? <laughs> they, they also look like they're the their first fucking words where I'm going to need a higher SPF than that, too. So look out. Also, let's just be realistic. They look like they're bad at stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're not talented in any way. Everything on the fridge is a pity magnet. Let's just be honest. That's what's happening. I know everybody thinks their kids are good at stuff. These kids are not. No, they're not. They're going to be normies. They're already normie kids. They're going to tell you about their nice little Saturday at Ikea. Their favorite book's going to be TikTok. Get used to this idea now. Your kids are meh. Just like most people's kids. All right, so we've got a, a special roast here for Rob. Rob would like you to roast his former coworker, David. Okay, the picture Rob sent us looks like whatever alien is inside David's human suit first attempted a smile when they took this photo. Mm -hmm. He looks like the company insisted on taking his ID picture as he lowered himself onto a pair of anguish. (laughs) (laughs) So, apparently David was the manager of a team that does IT support for a 911 service. Yeah. And he would quote 
frequently interrupt people on calls to try out new jokes, <laughs> which is objectively hilarious, at least until it was murder. Well, then yep, it hopefully it was never yeah. murder, but that's hilarious. Regardless, fun fact about David, when he's lowering himself onto a pair of anguish, he often checks to see if he needs to floss at that very moment <laughs> also. And he has someone take a picture while all that's happening. It's yep, so that's what we're looking at. fucking awkward. He looks like he's learning to smile from an instruction book that was poorly translated out of Mandarin. <laughs> right? And last but certainly not least, our number one donor from last year. Technically two years ago. Yeah, okay, yes, technically two years ago. Anyway, Kirk donated $1,500 for a song about Eli's sworn enemy, the Gilmore Girls. Hell yeah! And when our show calls for a song, there's only one thing to do. Hit it, Anna. Rory and Lorelai, sitting at the dragonfly inn. Drink 13 cups of coffee each, eight portions of food and still are thin. Because even though this show is cool for being about a single mom, its messages to young women everywhere are really fucking wrong. La, 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 la. So let's start with our leading ladies who like to talk in witty little quips that often fat shame talk down to other cultures or are broadly homophobic, ignoring their white privilege when everything seems to fall in Rory's lap. The only tension comes from the bad boy versus rich boy trope crap. La, 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 la. La, la, la. Yes, the Gilmore girls are sexist. Women are expected to be sexually experienced virgins. Pretty, witty, pure, and by the way, the only gay guy is a bitchy, slut-shaming classist who never gets to come out on the show. No, 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 it's such a shitty show. Whoa, whoa, Gilmore Girls is a shitty show. Let's talk about Melissa McCarthy. She's a comic genius. But the jokes she gets to make are that she's clumsy and obese, yes. And she's constantly berated for being single until she finally catches a dick. And then it shifts to, when are you and this dude gonna have a kid? La, 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 la. La, 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 la. Yes, the Gilmore girls are sexist. Think women are expected to be sexually experienced virgins. And by the way, the only gay guy is a bitchy, slut-shaming classist who never gets to come out on the show. No, 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 it's such a shitty show. Whoa, Gilmore Girl is a shitty show. Anyway, let's talk about Lane now, the badass, outspoken Korean best friend. Escapes her religious parents and plays drums in a rock and roll band. Has sex one time, gets pregnant with twins, marries a douche who expects her to apologize for not... Warning, the following podcast contains adult content, adult language, mild violence, drug use, full frontal nudity, pigeon noises, and unreliable lists. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by Honey, Stamps.com, and by Gift Cards. Gift Cards. All the personalization of cash with none of the convenience. And now, the skating atheist. Now, I'm no science maven. I've got a degree in humanities, for Pete's sake. But even I know that we did. 
in fact, evolve from filthy monkey men. It's December 10th. And it's the Festival for the Souls of Dead Whales. <laughs> and still zero. Short festival. <laughs> no illusion. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And from Tara Reeds, New Jersey, okay. Cincinnati Red State, and Red Town Blue State, this is The Skating Atheist. On this week's episode, Amy Coney Barrett reads the First Amendment like a magic eye poster. <laughs> Rudy Giuliani has COVID. And a Foley fart guy. Right? Both. <laughs> Gift that keeps on giving. And Don Ford will be here because we still haven't had the heart to tell him we meant to hire Don Fjord. <laughs> but first, Rudy Giuliani has COVID. Just wanted to say it again. And also, the diatribe. When you take the time to ask yourself what churchgoers get out of going to church, the arrogance of their fight against COVID restrictions somehow becomes even more glaringly appalling. And I know you might be thinking to yourself, Noah, how could indiscriminately killing your own community with a special focus on your family and friends so that you can pretend you're immortal possibly be more arrogant? And congratulations, that's exactly the the correct question to ask, but when you start digging a little deeper into their motivations, against all odds, they manage to make it worse. All right, so first of all, we need to set aside what the church gets out of fighting the COVID restrictions. Right, that, That's money. And you know, selling the safety and longevity of your friends and your family is already plenty fucked up. But for the purposes of this diatribe, let's also set aside the explicit threats and bullshit that church leaders offer up to fill up the pews, right? Forget for a second about the threats of hell and the promises of divine protection and all of that shit. And just now ask yourself what you have left over. What other motivation do churchgoers have for going to church? If you still haven't landed on the answer I'm looking for, let me phrase it a slightly different way. When a newly minted atheist leaves their religion, what do they usually miss about it most and longest? Obviously, I'm talking about the community. I mean, that, that, that feeling like you and your loved ones don't die is probably right up there, too. But for most Christians, or at least most modern-day American Christians, that's something that's always been laden in doubt anyway. And, and certainly so for the ones that eventually break out of their faith altogether. Generally speaking, that feeling starts to fade way before you go full-blown atheist. But the community, that was actually real. Hell, it's the only thing about the religion that was real other than the buildings. And it's the only thing that you actually lose when you leave a religion. Now, for those of us who never belong to a church, it's easy to overlook the importance of this. After all, everybody has a community, right? I mean, ex-religious people are sometimes put in the awkward position of rebuilding one from scratch in their adulthood. That's a task that no doubt ranges from difficult to impossible, but most people have had to more or less rebuild their community here and there, right? Like, like any time that you move to a new place, you kind of have to make new friends and meet new people. So it's easy for a person like myself, who never really went to a church, to think of leaving your religion as similar to just moving. But the only reason we're able to equate those two things is because we've never belonged to a religious community. That's genuinely different. I mean, obviously, it varies from community to community. But generally speaking, you're grouping yourself with like-minded people. 
not just people who embrace the same branch of the Jesus super fandom as you, but people who embrace the same church. Okay, that generally means people that share not just your views of religion, but also morality and politics and all kinds of other shit, too. So going to a church isn't like, you know, just going to a barbecue with a bunch of your friends. For most of us, that would mean introducing a hell of a lot more difference in opinion than you'd get your average religious congregation. And again, for somebody who's never experienced that, it might not seem like that's going to make much of a difference, but I think it does. I, I found myself really reflecting on that when I got to thinking about how much I miss going to atheist conventions. You know, for the last half dozen years, I've hit at least a couple of these a year. And even before I started this podcast, I, I got to them as often as I could. Those are the only places I've ever been able to fully be myself without the risk of pissing everybody off. It's the only place other than this studio where I don't feel like I have to pretend to be someone else, at least to some degree. Now, as far as atheists go, I'm actually very lucky in that regard. Due to the live shows that we do and the fact that conferences often invite us, I've been able to get that feeling six, eight times a year for quite a while now, but most atheists are lucky to experience that feeling even once a year. Many of us never get to experience that feeling at all. And yet, when we ask religious people to experience the same thing for a few months to keep their communities alive, they fight it all the way to the fucking Supreme Court and ignore the courts when things don't go their way. They defy, deny, or decry every proclamation that asks them to sacrifice anything at all. And the whole time, all we're asking them to do is temporarily share in the shit that we experience every fucking day. Look, I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but let's be honest, I don't know if I can at this point. This is literally a matter of life and death. And if they're not willing to forego the intoxication of camaraderie for a few months to save lives, what else are they willing to kill us over? They're talking about your Jesus. Interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are the rations. It's to my pimple Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick. <laughs> Fellas, are you ready to Love this game. die repeatedly until somebody just throws the fucking controller across the room? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Joke's on you, Noah. I'll have you know I have dozens of pre-orders coming up this season. <laughs> dozens. Okay. <laughs> I'm just up against the wall trying to turn into a bell as best I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just need one more try. Three more tries max. So we're going to pause for a word from this week's first sponsor, Honey. Okay, how about now? Still $8, but hey, you know what? Here you go. Nice. Hey, guys, what you doing? Eli, why are you handing Heath money? Oh, I'm trying to be more like honey this holiday season. Viscous and bright yellow? No. I mean, yes, well, but no, not that kind of honey. I'm talking about the honey that automatically searches for promo codes online. Yeah, they tell you when the price drops on stuff you like, and they're giving people money to help pay for it. They are? They sure are. Just add Honey to your computer, create a free account, and throw some holiday gifts on your drop list for a chance to win. Honey will randomly select winners and give them the money to help buy something on their list. I added some board games I want to my list. And I added some coffee serving stuff. There's no purchase necessary. You just need a PayPal account to redeem the prize. Only valid in the U.S. Giveaway ends 12-21-2020. Well, I want a chance to win. How do I sign up? You can get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash scathing. Again, that's joinhoney. Dot com slash scathing. Okay. Wait, how much does this board game cost? Uh, fourteen ninety nine. Aren't Aren't you going to give me money? No, you You didn't win. Sorry. See, see, this is why people don't like you as much as Honey. Oh. And now back to the headlines. In our lead story tonight, Christianity is just another word for bigotry. 
or or more specifically, it's a specific type of bigotry. And I know there are some people who aren't that kind of bigot that still call themselves Christian, but they're a vanishing minority at this point. And they should stop. Yeah, right. Calling themselves that. So, like, even if you want to be overly kind in your interpretation, Christianity is just usually another word for bigotry. <laughs> and we saw evidence of that once again from bigotry's modern champion this week when the Department of Labor finalized new regulations that would allow federally funded workplaces to discriminate so long as Jesus says it's okay. Great. Yeah. All lives matter asterisk is yep. what they just added. <laughs> yep. Followed by like the fucking micro machines guys speed reading a giant list of Bible <laughs> verses as exceptions like the fatal event side effects of a drug commercial. God I, damn it. I think I could take the micro machines guy. All right. So yeah, <laughs> in an effort to live up to the enormous specter of his father's celestial hate shadow, labor secretary Eugene Scalia, yes, of the Mordor Scalia's, promulgated sweeping new regulations that will allow federal contractors to discriminate against racial and religious minorities, women, and LGBTQ people, all in the name of religious liberty. Yeah, it's Mortar, New Jersey, by the way. Yeah, That's yeah, exactly. That was from. Basically, it reverses Executive Order 11246, which has barred the federal government from redirecting taxpayer money to discriminatory employers since 1965. Oh, man, 1965. Remember, that was the best. Johnson murdered Kennedy as a Game of Thrones. You just took over. <laughs> no red tape about thalidomide, just libertarian <laughs> paradise. There was woke politics about discriminating on the workplace. Oh, good times. Yeah, okay. It's worth noting, by the way, Especially the Kennedy that the thing. religious poison pill has been there for a while, right? It's not like Christianity just became synonymous with bigotry or anything. So there's been an exception built into this rule all along that exempts religious groups who are receiving federal funds to do secular services. Now, that's problematic from a million angles, but basically it says, like, a Catholic church can still run a subsidized orphanage even if it refuses to hire female priests. So basically all Scalia had to do was broaden the term religious contractor to include for-profit businesses. It's it's weird to think that most people still think we're the mean ones, right? Yeah. Like Christians are rolling back discrimination law to 1965, but like we told Gam Gam she won't get a blowjob fountain when she dies, so atheists are mean, boo. Yeah. Right. Of course, just because that's all he had to do to get this to work doesn't mean that's all he did. The, the new regulations also expanded the categories of discrimination that are excluded under the current religious exemptions. And just in case that wasn't enough, they also raised the bar of proof required for the government to satisfactorily demonstrate discrimination. It's impossible. The bar is impossible. Now exactly. Right. So they expanded the number of people who could discriminate. They expanded the ways they could discriminate. And they weakened whatever feeble protections were left over because all of the neighborliness and love in Jesus and shit. <laughs> yeah. To be clear, the new rules literally say that discrimination is legal if the bigotry is a religious tenet according to the employer doing the discrimination. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the new rule. The only way to prove discrimination would be asking the bigot, like, so do you think you're a bigot or just a religious bigot? And then being like, bigot, yes, no, fuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, well, I hope that Christians are respectful of heathenizing your religion. Face punchism. Face punchism. Yep. Yes, it is a very real <laughs> church based on... 
punching bigots who work for the government in the face. Fair is fair. We yeah. want to respect. Well, can we, we, we talked about not just face punchism. I think yeah, <laughs> we should expand just it out, Eli. Punchism yeah. is like the larger religion. <laughs> <laughs> and, okay, so look, I know a lot of you are trying to comfort yourself with the fact that Biden's labor secretary is just going to reverse these regulations when they come in. So let me shit all over that security blanket before we wrap this up. Oh, sure. But when I say that, see, the whole point here is that they're now putting the Democrats in a position where one of their first moves as they come in is to remove some religious liberty. Right. Like, And even if they have the resolve to do it, which is far from guaranteed, given the gelatinous spines that the Democrats are known for, it'll take at least a few months and possibly a few years for them to do it. There's all these rules about how, what you have to do in order to change these regulations. It also gives great ammunition to Republicans of the future who are running on the white fear ticket. So this is kind of a win win for them. They're just breaking all the toys before they have to fucking leave. That's oh, absolutely. Here. Yeah, exactly. And we're the toys. We are the toys. Well, People not us, are... not us, but minorities. Yeah. <laughs> and in I'm sorry, Miss Jackson news, scathing atheist favorite and guy who would have told you his name was Toby before you asked. Thank you very much. Wow. E.W. Jackson has COVID, which is weird <laughs> because earlier this year, he very, very clearly explained to us that he couldn't get COVID because of his Jesus magic. Well, he, he couldn't get COVID with sheets. He only had blankets. <laughs> totally different. <laughs> so back in March, Jackson took to his show The Awakening, where he declared that, quote, I will not get coronavirus. Who do you think you are? How can you say that? Because I asked God to protect me from it. I confessed Psalm 91 over my life and over the life of my congregation and over the life of our families, and we're not getting it, end quote. Hmm. Okay, well, that didn't work out. This is kind of scary for Christian people, right? Because Psalm 91 also says you can step on lions and cobras and you're yep. fine. And yep. Like, they better run a few tests to make sure that magic's still working. <laughs> <laughs> it also says they can't stub their toe on a rock. It, does, that, it really yeah. says it there. I will donate big to that YouTube channel of them. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> donate. Hell, I'll invest. <laughs> I'll be the rock. Anyways, uh, EW has been missing from his show. And a couple of Sundays ago, we found out why. As he put it in the video he released. This, this is how he is says it, it in he order. COVID? He had another speaking engagement. Mm -hmm. And Colbert. There but he's fine now. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, you mumbled something. You said... Rrr, rrr, rrr. Yeah, speech engagement. So <laughs> you're probably wondering, what's the deal with Psalm 91 and the magic shield? Well, I have a theory. And if you're wondering if it's that God caught it last month when E.W. Jackson signed into the wrong Twitter account and started liking a bunch of gay OnlyFans tweets. <laughs> <laughs> no, that happened. It's though. not that, but that happened. <laughs> It's uh, it's all the other tweets that pissed off God and gave him COVID. Okay. God is a huge, huge fan of queer only fans sure. oh, out yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. big support. Who's, who's not? And in papal bully pulpit news, according to the Pope, Amy Coney Barrett really needs to calm the fuck down with all the Catholicism. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not a good sign. Yeah, fucking bear walks by her in the woods right here on the trail, lady. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so. Following the Supreme Court ruling that said anti-plague safety orders by New York State were unconstitutional, Frankie Valley of the Shadow of Death published an excerpt <laughs> from his recent book as an op-ed in the New York Times 
and explained, what the fuck are you idiots doing? If you're all dead, how are we going to put money in the cemetery fund? Right. What are you doing? Yeah, we can't rape our own kids. We're celibate. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> that means the Pope read our newspapers and was like, well, that's fucking stupid. Hand me my magic hat and my feather quill. I'm going to write an op-ed. I'm <laughs> <laughs> <And> the Pope. <laughs> so here's what the Pope had to say. Quote, it's all too easy for some to take an idea, in this case personal freedom, and turn it into an ideology, creating a prism through which they judge everything. To come out of this crisis better, we have to recover the knowledge that as a people, we have a shared destination. Now, to be clear, he means heaven because he's an idiot, but he let's assume he means the shared destination of, you know, not dying from the plague. That would make sense. That would be a good sentiment. Continuing. The pandemic has reminded us that no one is saved alone. What ties us to one another is what we commonly call solidarity. Solidarity is more than acts of generosity, important as they are. It's the call to embrace the reality that we are bound by the bonds of reciprocity, end quote. Uh, yeah, look, it's a goodish message, I guess, but yeah. you couldn't find a less qualified messenger without some kind of national reality show audition <laughs> contest. It's surprisingly yeah. goodish for the Pope, though. I gotta give him. Yeah. But, to be fair, I'm pretty sure William Hung hasn't covered up any child rape, <laughs> and he's adorable. He is. Huh? Let's give that guy an offense. <laughs> so, he can't sing, but he thought he could. He's, he's and we put a, him on TV. He's not a good musician. So, again, <sighs> the I miss him. <laughs> 83-year-old wizard dressed like a Rabbi bullfighter didn't actually get it right. He's not, he's not right. He's, he was goodish. He, he kind of fell ass backwards into having words that make sense if they were said by a reasonable person. He, he actually wrote a solid takedown of Ayn Rand, again by accident, and a takedown of the absurd idea that your reason for spreading a pandemic and invoking the freedom to spread a pandemic, the reason has any relevance to anything. No, of course it doesn't. That's absurd. Individual freedoms don't exist in a vacuum when there's a zero-sum game. You, your freedom to eat pie takes away other people's freedom to eat that same piece of pie, obviously. And in this case, the pie represents physical space on a planet that isn't infested with disease. And religion isn't just demanding the freedom to eat pie. They're demanding the freedom to lick the whole fucking thing while they're having their peace. <laughs> And the freedom to refuse pie to same-sex couples, literally. They're so, also that. They're yeah. so bad uh -huh. at metaphors, they're in and out of the metaphor. They're being bigots <laughs> on both sides of it. Fuck. And, and what's so absurd about this is that none of this passes the, like, not in fancy courts test, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if someone walked over to your table at the old country buffet and didn't want you and your gay partner to be able to eat there... You knock their teeth out, or if they want to go to your house and cough on your baby, you beat them to death with a stick or a rock or something. But because five lifetime appointees to the courtiest of courts say it, we just sort of stare at our shoes and mumble about how we sure hope Joe Biden expands the court and we're going to get it back when we when all those Georgians vote for a black guy. You'll see. You'll see. Mm, I'm invoking my punchism faith, to be punchism. clear. Riffra. <laughs> Don't do that. I want to. I want to so bad. So, if you're keeping score at home, four out of six Catholics on the court voted directly against the God of the universe. So that was interesting. But now that God's earthly conduit sent out that memo, we should be hearing a reversal from Thomas, Alito, Kavanaugh, and Barrett really soon, because they heard yeah, what God said, sure. right? 
Yeah. And if course. they don't, I'm sure we'll be hearing a big backlash from all the Catholic people who, for example, praised the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett because of her devout Catholic mm-hmm. faith. Yeah, sure. Oh, sure. that'd be super, super hypocritical if we didn't hear Can you imagine those reversals or religious hypocrites. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> so silly. Right. Well, I mean, I, I'm just going to check my Google alert because they probably said, so, nope. Okay, still nothing. Any minute, though. <laughs> okay. they're not I'll do, I'll do a story while we wait. I'll do a story, but yeah. by then, I'm sure. And in Dances with Dunces news tonight, <laughs> the majority of the Supreme Court, speaking of which, is now too dumb to outwit the average high school social studies teacher in West Virginia. And I don't mean that as a knock on the intellect of high school social studies teachers, okay? I mean it as a knock on the intellect of West Virginia. Regardless. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's definitely the butt of the joke. Yeah. yeah. The, the Supreme Court is supposed to be the best goddamn minds we have to offer, especially when it comes to pedantic loophole shit. Their thing. Right? Like, we call it the judiciary and litigation and shit, because we, you know, when you want to charge that much fucking money for it, you have to have some kind of fancy words and stuff. <laughs> but what we're actually talking about is pedantic loophole shit. And thanks to Amy Coney Barrett tipping the balance of the court towards terminal stupidity, they could be out loopholed by somebody too dumb to find the road that leads out of West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, the country roads don't only take you home. Right, this is a yes. song. This is a song lyric. Also, not how roads work. No, same road, just go in the go. other way. You yeah, can go, you idiots. Way. All right, so sorry. I didn't even get around to mentioning what this fucking story was about yet. So apparently some teacher at Bridgeport High School in absolutely nowhere, West Virginia, decided that the students should have a homecoming dance, even if public safety measures and common sense said otherwise. Fuck face. Yeah. Well, right, so she made this happen. Now, keep in mind, the school can't stop her because it has no control over a teacher setting up some private event on her off time, right? And they couldn't stop the students from attending because they have no control of what the students do in their off time either. So even though they said, hey, let's not do this, everybody, they couldn't really stop it. But the county could still stop them from trying to hold an event with 200 fucking people in blatant violation of their social distancing regulations. Unless, of course... The organizer called it a religious vow renewal event. God damn it. In which case, thanks to the Supreme Court, all the laws and the regulation and the health and the safety of all the other people in town can go fuck themselves. Sorry. No, just I just realized this correction from before. That is how roads work anywhere near Bridgeport High School. Like, you, just, you, have, you have to stay where you are. There's no way out. Like, don't even bother yeah, They would all take you back. The roads, it's like, they just it's like circle back to you. It's like asteroids. You just I'm wind just up. saying... None of this would have happened if Heath and I sincerely held homecoming face punchism event was scheduled next door on the same night. Okay. All right. Okay. Get on board, everyone. We could have statues. <laughs> pour milk on ourselves. I don't know. Satanism Holiday decorations. Done with that. That's great. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, despite the mortality of everyone involved, this dance happened. At least five dozen people crammed into one room, you know, and danced. The venue owner said everybody wore a mask, but A, bullshit, and B, Absolutely who fucking not. cares? It was a high school dance. I can't confirm anything about mask use. Like, we we first learned about the event when parents posted pictures online, but they've since taken them down because, you know, kids and whatnot. But many people who saw the pics before they were taken down answered the claim that everybody wore masks with a big old no the fuck they didn't. But again... High school dance. Mm-hmm. Mask or no mask. Those kids had their fingers in each other and shit. Raincoat don't much matter if you're in the pool. Okay. Yeah. I feel like me and Eli would have been fine. Like, we <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, school dances were really my chance to bond with the chaperones. <laughs> my parents. My yeah, parents uh-huh. were chaperones at literally every school dance I ever went to. Just me and Eli in the corner rolling dice, something. <laughs> and by the way, feet apart. free pizza. <laughs> just in case this story wasn't already depressing enough for you, I should point out that according to the local news station that first broke the news of this event, at least one person at the event tested positive for COVID-19. Jesus Christ. Cool. Well, hey, at least they renewed that religious vow. That's going to come in handy when they fucking die. Yeah, right? let's you know. hope they did that Perfect. while they were there. Fresh. And in strange sick bedfellows news, say what you will about 2020, but it's made for some strange bedfellows. Dolly Parton and the COVID vaccine. Joe Biden's dog and the Proud Boys. And this week, <laughs> True News host slash notorious anti-Semite Rick Wiles and a literal cabal of underground Jews spreading a plague. <laughs> well, above ground. Above, well, like, no, that's true. I had a whole thing about offering religion some underground spots, and Andrew got all squeaked up and was well, like, yeah, you can't say that, that's mean. Well, also, but as he pointed out, they don't need our help, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, regular listeners to the show will remember, we covered the story a few weeks ago of the Orthodox Jewish wedding with thousands of unmasked attendees that kept Heath's dad out of the hospital. Well, I, I think you heard that story. Noah had to edit a lot of it out, so... Well, like my generous sewer system reservation thing for religious okay, people, I, it was I a only space. cut out they that could run. and the medieval morality play. You cut them? What? So we made those prosthetics for nothing? Great. Yep. Right. A lot of effort. Redwig. Well, that super duper spreader event merited the pathetic fine of fifteen thousand dollars. At least it did as of this recording. By the time you hear this, maybe the Supreme Court has declared that New York State has to pay those assholes 15 grand. Yeah, right. But don't worry. As I said before, Rick Wiles is going to pay their fine. Rick Wiles is going to pay their fine. (laughs) No, this makes perfect sense. Look, anybody who is willing to poison a Jew is a friend of Rick's. So (laughs) That's accurate. Okay, so Hammett Meta over at the Friendly Atheist blog did a pretty good job of rounding up all the crazy shit Rick has said about Jews over the years. For instance, he has said that the Antichrist will be Jewish, that Jews control Donald Trump, that the impeachment was a, quote, Jew coup. And yet... A couple weeks ago on his live stream, he promised on air to send a $15,000 check to the temple that day. Rick, dude, you're falling for the flu d'etat. That's the oldest <laughs> trick in the book. I'm just saying, at least stick to your morals. Now you're a bigot and a flip-flopper, man. No respect for you. Yeah, I feel mixed about this story because, you know, Rick Wiles, less money, good. Giving it to these Jews, bad. Rick Wiles promoting COVID denialism, also bad. These Jews, bad. Heath, bring me my red wig. We're doing the play again. I'll get the noses, Scott. Thank you. get the nose. All right. Well, I have some prosthetics to shred. So we're going to pause for a quick word from our second sponsor this week, us. Uh, Santa? Well, hello, Twinkle Toes. What is it? It's about the uh, atheists that are on your nice list. Oh, yes? What about them? Well, uh, me and the other elves can't figure out what to give them. What do you mean? Don't atheists like wooden trains and brightly colored blocks? No, not, nobody likes those. Is is this an Adam and Eve ad? Because gross, Twinkle Toes, gross. No, if this no, is an... uh, good assumption, but no. I was thinking maybe we could give them 
outbreak, a crisis of faith, how religion ruined our global pandemic, now available on Amazon, Kindle, and maybe even Audible by the time you hear this. Woo, long title. But do you think all the good little atheists out there will like it? They sure will. It's good for the secular activists in your life or even just the person who needs to know how hard religion fucked us. Harder than Mrs. Claus after she read The Ethical Slut. You said it, Santa. Once more, that's Outbreak, A Crisis of Faith, How Religion Ruined Our Global Pandemic on Amazon, the Kindle Store, and maybe even Audible by the time you hear this. I mean, she was like an animal. I No, I remember, Santa. We, we all left the poll for like a week. I wish she had. You know what I mean? Okay. Cut. And in Don the Conversion Therapist news, you voted for Joe Biden. And for that, we here at The Scathing Atheist are very, very grateful. However, we are going to be feeling the presence of the Trump presidency for decades to come. And we felt it hard and without lube a couple weeks ago when the largely Trump-appointed 11th Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that bans on conversion therapy are unconstitutional. Yep. Oh, now we're making it legal to have fake medicine that we know for a fact doesn't even... What? Okay, sorry. Yeah, never mind. I heard it. I heard yeah, myself saying right, it. Yeah. That's no. lots of... Well, so, but you, you have aisle. to balance out the demonization of vaccines that actually do work with something, right? <laughs> yeah, so. there you go. So here's the story. Two therapists, Robert Otto and Julie Hamilton, conversion therapists who I hope get COVID by being present when their loved ones die from it, <laughs> filed lawsuits against the county of Palm Beach and the city of Boca Raton, which banned conversion therapy in 2017 because conversion therapy is torturing children with electroshocks until they pretend to be straight. Well, more likely because it doesn't work. If it worked, I feel like Florida's yeah, on board. actually. <laughs> right. Yeah. So Otto and Hamilton claim that they practice sexual orientation change efforts, which consists only of talk therapy. So, you know, totally different. And again, thanks to Donald Trump's appointees, they fucking won. Wow. Great. It's even dumber and more bigoted than my joke just now. Not working isn't the issue. And bigotry obviously isn't the issue. It's about the method of useless bigotry at the crux of the argument they're making. You have to do the useless dehumanizing bigotry nicely. That's their argument. <laughs> well, not even that. Not even nicely. So as Andrew explained last week, it rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again is protected speech, apparently. Yep. Mm -hmm. So here's the fucking dumbass majority ruling by the court, this is the words of the ruling, quote, two therapists argue that the ordinances infringe on their constitutional right to speak freely with clients. We understand and appreciate that the therapy is highly controversial, but the First Amendment has no carve out for controversial speech. We hold that the challenged ordinances violate the First Amendment because they are content based regulations of speech that cannot survive strict scrutiny, end quote. Okay, let's just make it black for a second. According to federal judges, free speech includes a doctor telling a patient they can cure blackness, too? Sure. They could, they could cure COVID with bleach. That's free protected speech. Also, They're just talking. So yep. it's just doctors talking. <laughs> yep. They can say whatever they want. Really? Yeah. 
We, we, when you put the harm of conversion therapy against the harm of the shit that Andrew makes me edit out of this show, it's disgusting. Right? Mm -hmm. They'd know Eli was kidding, Andrew. Besides, cutting Mitch McConnell into that many pieces would take too long to be practical anyway. So they wouldn't do it. Anything worth doing, Noah. Anything worth doing. (laughs) (laughs) And then, it's okay, KKK, to be Christian news tonight. Southern Baptist (laughs) leaders have issued a statement declaring that critical race theory is incompatible with their faith. Yep. They apologize for their past support of the theoretical framework, explaining, quote, we honestly thought it just meant criticizing other races until Danny showed us on the Wikipedia, end quote. We were told there was work being done on why different races smell different. That was a lie. (laughs) We were lied to. So for whatever it's worth, this may be the first time Southern Baptist leaders were ever right about a thing. Because critical race theory is absolutely incompatible with your faith. Sure the fuck is. Mm-hmm. Yep. The whole goddamn reason that there's a thing called Southern Baptist is because Northern Baptists refuse to go along with all the white supremacy that served as the central tenet of their theology. So any theory that faults white supremacy for anything is definitely incompatible with Southern Baptist faith. Yeah, mm-hmm. and just to be clear, critical race theory basically just says... There is racism. You know, like, just for context, go ahead and continue your conversation. <laughs> yeah, just for context, there is right. racism, just so you know. And the SBC released an official statement just now that said, is not, is <laughs> <Yeah>. not racism <laughs> as context for anything. They represent 15 million Americans, Yeah, the Southern Baptist Convention. And among them is your super-duper woke Black Lives Matter flag-having church friend who can't be bothered to Google where their tithe goes because their lady preacher doles out their weekly serving of shit Jesus probably meant. (laughs) Right. (sighs) Right. Now, it's almost... We're going to swing back to that lady in a minute here. So it's almost impossible to comprehend the level of rectocranial self-pity involved in this statement. But when you strip away the verbosity and render it in plain English... What it says is that the real victims of racism are white conservative Christians who have to deal with constantly being accused of racism every time they point out that the young lady at McDonald's doesn't have very good diction. We're all speaking the same language. Uh So, yeah, without any real explanation at all, they just say that CRT is incompatible with their faith and forbid anyone affiliated with the SBC from teaching otherwise. Okay, it's just I feel like it's weird to make such an incomplete list of academic fields like that that conflict with your ideology. Yeah, so like, okay, right. Uh, critical race theory, biology, uh, physics, history, math, archaeology, anthropology. Hell, if dodgeball isn't played with real rocks, Jim is against their faith. <laughs> <laughs> and Theory just as a of quick everything. aside... The president of the Southern Baptist Convention, J.D. Greer, got a lot of play as like the the young, fresh-faced reformer that was going to drag the SBCs kicking and screaming into the 21st century. He even got a bunch of positive press over the summer when he affirmed that Black Lives Matter and publicly rejected the All Lives Matter slogan. Well, congratulations to him. You did such such an amazing, amazing job with that. Great. Well... But that's the thing. You want a cookie? Their lives mattering seems to be where he draws the line. Because <laughs> he also says that he agrees with this declaration. So Taking back the cookie. You know, I'm not sure how many times you need Lucy to pull the fucking football away. But next time the media tells you about how bigoted some religious leader isn't, keep this one in mind. <laughs> and finally tonight, 
state of Idaho had about 42,000 new cases of COVID over the last month. And about 400 people died during that time. But Lieutenant Governor Janice McGeechan isn't afraid of losing lives. She's afraid of losing guns and Jesus. Apparently, guns and Jesus are also at risk Mm -hmm. in Idaho and a much bigger priority. And that's why she made a video from inside her Matt Green tactical van that she has draped in the American flag, holding up a Bible and a handgun. But now that Bibles and guns are definitely staying legal, thanks to that video, she's focused on the pandemic, finally. And her new plan for the pandemic is to use federal aid to buy walk-through disinfectant cubes to sanitize the COVID out of off of people. Sanitize (laughs) the COVID away. As people walk into buildings. Yeah, you know, the only consolation for Idaho's lax laws regarding faith healing is that their understanding of medicine is this backwards to begin. (laughs) (laughs) So when asked about the disinfectant cube idea, the majority of scientists said, quote, get the fuck away from me, you idiot. Stand away from me right now. (laughs) Also, according to the New England Journal of Thinking about it with your face for two fucking seconds, you shouldn't have a whole bunch of people who are potentially sick walk through the same enclosed cube of air no. before no. they go into a building. But uh what about communal tubs of Lysol? Also no. Before you <laughs> please in fact, just don't ask questions during my story about you, Lieutenant Governor. I know it seems like viruses are pretty much the same as the floor mats after a bar shift at TGI Fridays, but it's not a perfect parallel like you might think. <laughs> Just some uh, some extra detail on that. According to a study mentioned by the National Institute of Health, quote, fumigation is meant for inanimate objects and surfaces, and it should never be used on people. <laughs> really? Don't fumigate huh. people. Wait, okay, what if we ask them to sneeze on the fly paper, though? Guys, guys, <laughs> they're going to gas chamber themselves, aren't they? Right. What do we do when the Supreme Court rules that they have a right to get? <laughs> what? I didn't hear. I didn't hear your last we question. Just, we sit back and we write some stories. <laughs> it's the, it's static. So how much is it going to cost to try out the human fumigation booth idea? About $16.8 million. Mm. McGeechan's proposal is asking for $16.8 million in order to buy 420 extreme OptiClean cubes <laughs> for $40,000 a piece. She figures, you know, most of the 1.8 million people in Idaho can find their way to one of those 420 checkpoints before they go into any public building. Mm-hmm. I love in her mind that people who won't wear a mask will step into an airtight cube and be hosed <laughs> down with Drano. Before they pay their fucking water bill. I love that in her mind, there's still going to be 420 Idahoans left at the rate they're going. Yeah, that too. Yeah. So obviously the entire idea is just tragically stupid. But I think I'm most offended by the title of that product. First of all, extreme is spelled with an X as the first letter. Absolutely not. I'm not buying a medical device that describes itself like nacho cheese powder. Absolutely not. (laughs) But McGeechan 
clearly got all excited because it sounded sciency with opti and extreme. And she also clearly got excited by the word cube, which also bothers me, even though there's no fucking reason for a cube shape for this. You're just walking through in the shape of a human being. You're a, we're not equilateral. Why would it need to be a cube? Uh, speak for yourself, Heath. I'm, I'm getting that quarantine weight. By the end of this thing, I may be a perfect sphere. So. All right. Okay. <laughs> Then make it a tube. Have it be like <laughs> a Eli a marble from Eli people. That would be pretty roll good. Them right through. All right. Well, I, I, I have to go find one of the cookies that we give to Eli when he nails the math joke. So we're going to end the headlines right there. Heath, Eli, <laughs> thanks as always. Nutter putter. Jumanji. And when we come back, there will be sound effects and silly voices. Hey, uh, is this the line to get into heaven? Yep. And before you ask, yes, I'm pretty sure they're going to ask about whether or not you took pictures of people's feet while they were asleep. So, uh, Not what I was going to ask at all. Oh, uh, yeah, me neither. I don't know why. Okay, so uh, how did you die? Me? Oh, yeah. uh, car crash. Cool, cool. I, uh, how about you? Uh, yeah, so you know how you needed to avoid crowds in 2020? You remember that? Yeah, that was like... Pretty much the only thing you had to do that year. Right. Yeah. Well, more people were shipping stuff than ever, and the post office got super crowded. So there you go. Oh, yeah. Why didn't you just use stamps.com? Oh, what's stamps.com? Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS right to your computer. Stamps.com is a must-have for any business, whether you're a small office sending out invoices, an online seller fulfilling orders during this record-setting holiday season, or even a giant warehouse sending thousands of packages a day. Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. Once your mail is ready, you just schedule a pickup or drop it off. It's that simple. Wow. That does sound really convenient, but it's got to be super expensive, right? Not at all. With Stamps.com, you get five cents off every first-class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail and up to 62% off UPS shipping rates. Wait, Stamps.com does UPS too? Sure does. Don't spend a minute of your holiday season at the post office this year. Sign up to Stamps.com instead. There's no risk. With our promo code SCATHING, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in scathing. That's Stamps.com, enter scathing. Stamps.com, never go to the post office again. The most potent defense that Christianity has, and some would say the only thing still insulating it from near universal public condemnation, is how impossibly boring the Bible is. It's hard to criticize a book that's too boring to read, so in our continuing effort to break down these defenses with a liberal application of poop jokes, we present yet another installment of Bible Peace Theater. Okay, so my character level and my warlock level are different things yes. somehow? Yes, they are. That makes no sense. So, no. which one gets a bonus action? Okay, wanna... none of them get a I bonus action. I want a bonus action. action! You see what I'm dealing with here, Don. Yes, 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 I do. Hey, Don, guys. Yes. You guys ready for uh, Bible Peace Theater? Right, yes. Uh, where were we? Okay, so... Um, bonus action. The, the Jews decided that they want Samuel to give him a king because they hate his sons who are in charge. 
Uh, Samuel tries to warn them off of that, but they insist. So God tells Samuel that Saul, who is defined by his tallness, I remember that. Yes, who is defined by his okay. tallness. Uh, God tells Samuel that Saul is going to be the king. And I'm playing both of those characters for some reason. You yes. said you wanted a bonus action. Yes. I have a plan. That's, okay. I mean, if you guys won, I could. Uh... God, I said I have a plan. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. So, so Saul goes off in search of his uncle's asses and finally meets Samuel. Hey, Saul. Why don't, why don't you come inside and I can tell you about the word of God. Uh, okay. Sounds good to me. And Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon Saul's head and kissed him. I said, and Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon Saul's head and kissed him. Oh, yeah, okay. Glug, glug, glug. Mwah. There you go. There you go, me. Enjoy. And he said, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee. Absolutely not. Bran Muffin. Bran Muffin. No. Seriously? Bran Muffin. Bran Muffin. I know what you were going to do there. I know what you're doing. Okay, but he, he turns you into another guy, and that other guy's going to be played by Don. Not not the point. Bran Muffin. I call Bran Muffin. Ah, uh, fine. Fine. So, yeah, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon Saul. I guess we're going to miss that part. And he turns into a new guy who's a prophet. There. You happy? No. I'm sorry. Bran Muffin? Oh, it's our safe word when Eli writes a sketch that Heath doesn't like. Oh, okay, got it. Um, does Andrew know about Bran Muffin? Have you ever heard him say words besides Bran Muffin? Yes. There's your answer. Anyway, okay. so Saul is all different and profity now. Ah, yes. Now that the Spirit of the Lord has come upon me, I am a new man, and I am filled with prophecy. Let me go to my uncle and tell him that I have found his asses. Uncle, uncle, I am back from my wanderings. Oh, good, man. Seriously? What? Don played the uncle. You said yeah. you didn't want to be Saul anymore. Exactly. Okay, but we obviously should have had Saul be someone who isn't Don then. Oh, my God, really? Yeah, I guess it, so. If you read ahead, that would have been obvious. You, and you really you should start reading ahead. You yeah. really should. No. no. All right. Well, well... well the point is that Saul tells his uncle that Samuel told him where to find the asses, but he doesn't tell him he's a prophet or chosen by God because he's still not sure if he wants to do it. We good? Yeah. I'm just saying, you have to read it anyway. I said, like, no. why, why not just read? Jews, Jews, gather around. I have selected a king for you. Hooray! Hey, hey, all right. I have chosen him by lot. So, first up... Uh, sorry, have, sorry. Yes? Did you say by lot, as in randomly? Y yes, yes. Now, we're going to go tribe first. Sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, yes? We didn't ask you to choose us a king randomly. We could have done that. Uh, we asked you to appoint us a king using your talk-to-God powers. Oh, Right. Well, don't don't worry. God totally knows who I'm gonna choose, so it's good. Do you do you know? Yes. Yes. Oh, uh, I I actually met this person the other day. Gave him a kiss. Covered him in oil. It was a whole thing. I know. Um. Okay. Pin in that the oil stuff. 
So instead of doing the whole drawing lots thing, could you just tell us if you know and God knows? N no, no. God, God says it must be drawn by lot. It feels like maybe you just bought one of those spinny ping pong barrel things, and now you're looking for an excuse to use it. What? Yeah. No, no. That, that, it does. No. It does. Because cause what, what's that that you have under this sheet up there on the stage? No, nothing. Nothing. It's buck stuff. Oh. Nothing. Okay. Saul's going to be king. He totally has a spinny ping pong barrel under there. Oh, he totally does. Oh, absolutely. It's fuck stuff. Um, ex excuse us, uh, God, God. Oh, shit, it's the Jews. Um, hey, hey, Jews, what, what's up? Uh, well, Samuel told us that, uh, Saul is our new king. Okay, I'll have you know we have several lawsuits pending about whether or not... Uh, no, you chose this one. Oh, right. Yeah, sorry, that's a different... Anyways, c congrats on your king. Okay, uh, uh, pin, in the, pin in the choosing thing. Where is he? Who? Uh, that king that you picked for us. Oh, yeah. Uh, Saul is hiding among the stuff. I'm sorry, hiding among the stuff? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Uh, Just look around the stuff and boom. Gonna find yourself a Saul. Okay. You do know we're writing the Bible right. You really want us to write, and I quote, he was hiding among the stuff in the Bible. I mean, that's where he is. All right, we'll look among the stuff. And lo, the Jews did look for Saul and found him among the stuff. And when he stood up from the stuff, he was tall, head and shoulders above the rest. Hello. Ooh. So tall. Ooh, Don Ford, Voice of Fantasy and Adventure. But now he was more than tall. He had many other qualities now that he could be described by, except for the tallness, like good-lookingness, wisdom, and in God's grace. So handsome. So wise. Oh, shucks. Thanks, everybody. And the Jews did celebrate and revere him, and Saul set the new rules for the kingdom before the Jews, and then sent the people away so that he could bask in the new person he was, who had many, many defining and positive characteristics. I fucking hate you guys! I'm going to my room! Um, is, is he okay? Yeah, he's got, he's got candy in his room. Oh, okay. Yeah, a lot. Good. Okay, Good. so what happens next? Right, uh, so meanwhile, the village of Jabesh Gilead is under siege by Nahash the Ammonite. Wait, I thought all the dudes in Jabesh Gilead died. Didn't That's they die? the part you were paying you, attention yeah, to? Yeah, no, I, I guess they got more dudes somewhere between then and, and this chapter. Anyway, so the Ammonites have the Jews up against a wall, so they meet for peace talks. All right, Nahash the Ammonite, tell you what, don't kill us. And we'll make a covenant with you. Wait, what does that mean? Uh, it means we'll be his slaves. Holy fuck, dude. Did you just open with we'll be your slaves? Oh, I'm sorry. Did you want to do this negotiation? Well, I, now I do. I can't do worse than we'll be your slaves. Oh, fine. By all means. All yours. All yours. I have considered your offer, and I accept. See? Told you. Uh, okay, so, uh, but, uh, before... Uh, 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 on the condition that I may poke out the right eye of all of your men. Wait, 
Wait, you'll let us be your slaves mm -hmm. if you can poke out our right eyes? Yes. Oh. Can we have seven days to think about it? Yes. Hey, great job up there. Now we're slaves and he's going to poke our eyes out. That's he really great. by surprise. Who the fuck counters? We'll be your slaves with a condition. Oh, it's okay. You can't do worse than we'll be your slaves. Oh, okay, what? okay, okay. So, um, how long does he usually stay in there? Oh, it, um, 15 minutes, an hour. It just, it depends on if we can coax him out somehow. Okay. Wait, I have a question about the last thing in the Bible. Why did the Ammonites want to poke out everyone's right eyes? So, actually, many biblical scholars posit that it's based on Bronze Age battle tactics. People, people held their shields in their left hand over their face, so if you poked out people's right eye, they could, they couldn't fight you using the military tactics of the time. Guess why? Huh. Oh, that's the, the right eyes thing. That's a really fun fact. Thank you. Thank you, Don. Anyway, so the men of Jabesh Gilead reach out to Saul, and Saul sends a message to all the Jews. Honey, I'm home. Hello, dear. How was work? You know, Bronze Age. Sure, sure. So you got a message from Saul Oh, while you're gone. Let me see that. Dear Jews, hello, it's me, Saul. How are you today? The men of Jabesh Gilead are under attack, and when I heard that they negotiated without me, I got so mad I ripped a whole yoke of oxen apart. Gross. Right? Enclosed is a piece of those oxen. This is what will happen to your oxen if you don't show up to fight the Ammonites with me next week. Love you, Saul. Yikes. Uh, you gonna go? I mean, I gotta, right? I don't yeah. want this dude to tear my oxen apart. Yeah, yeah, seems like a good plan. Great, great idea. Jews, we are victorious. Hooray! Oh, yay, Samuel, Saul is the best. Let's kill everyone who didn't want him to be the king. Oh, no, no, you guys, no, no, no need to kill everyone who didn't want him to be king, but that, that is very sweet of you. Are you sure? Because sure? we have swords. Yeah, 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 uh, no, totally sure, totally sure, but uh, now that I'm old and, and gray and this is the Bible, I'd like to make a long and very boring speech before I die. Oh, damn it. He's Actually, we don't have swords, we have spears. First off... Have I ever done anything bad to you? Um, you mean all of us? Like, like as a people yeah. or, yeah. or? Yes, oh. yes. Oh, and no? Nice, exactly. You heard that, God? I've never done anything bad to them. Well, this is, this is a weird moment. Item number two. I will now tell you all the things God has done for you. When Jacob was come to Egypt, hey. and your father hey, cried question. unto the Lord, yeah, what's up? then the Lord so sent Moses right now, because it's the bronze age, we wipe with forth, our hands, right? Which brought forth I your would, fathers out of Egypt. I would think so, yeah. And made them dwell in okay. this place. What do we do with our hands after we wipe? Dude, this is a gross conversation. Hear me out, hear me out. If we have water nearby to wash our hands, why don't we just wash our butts in the water instead? It seems like there's an unnecessary middleman there with the wiping with the hands. 
if you want to take the good, and they it's easier to wash your hand than to wash your ass. We have sinned. Is it? Because we have forsaken Are you guys talking about whether it's easier to wash your hand or your asshole? Yes. Oh, oh, it's definitely your hand. hand really? Oh, trust me, trust me a hundred times. And the Lord That's sent Jerubel and Dan and lots of experience and Samuel and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and ye dwelled safe. Hmm. Very wise. And now I will make a lightning and thunderstorm because I'm mad at you guys for. We're asking for a king. Wait, what? Uh, are you gonna kill us now? Do, do not be afraid. God loves you and will care for you. I promise he will never, ever kill you. Uh, okay, then why did you make it thunder and lightning? Because if you disobey God, he will in fact definitely kill you. Okay, there it is. All right, well, since God threatening to kill everybody is kind of like the fat lady singing of this segment, I guess we're going to close it off there, but we'll be back next month with even more Bible Peace Theater. Before we close the door behind us tonight, I wanted to let you know that if you need more me in your life, you've got a couple of chances to get it. I'm going to be guesting on a fundraiser for the Foundation Beyond Belief on Saturday the 12th at 9 p.m. Eastern. I also just did a guest spot on the Does That Still Work podcast where we do a deep dive on Crash, the worst movie to ever win Best Picture. Also, I was on the latest episode of Thank God I'm Atheist to talk about the new book. You'll find links to all of that stuff on the show notes. Anyway, that's all the blast movie we've got for you tonight, but we'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show's Hot Friend God Awful Movies, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday, and an even new episode of our half-sister show Citation Needed, debuting at noon Eastern on Wednesday. Obviously, this show would be a show lit if I neglected to thank Keith Enright for his smarts, Eli Bosnick for his arts, Lucinda Lusion for her heart and Don Ford for I'm sorry dude it's 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 either your fart or your chart It'd be weird to thank you for your charts. Anyway, I also need to thank Taru for providing this week's Farnsworth quote, but most of all of course I want to thank this week's merriest mammals. Melissa, Rebecca, Malacalypse, the Dumber, Sister of Your Sunshine, Vapor, Lyra, Drunken Public, Susan, Stefan, Jonathan, Dylan, and Jason. Melissa, Rebecca, Malacalypse, and Sister of Your Sunshine, Vapor, who are so bright they're exempted from headlight requirements. Lyra, Drunken Public, Susan, and Stefan, who are so sexy they have a dedicated MPAA classification. And Jonathan, Dylan, and Jason, whose erections are harder than Battletoads, but still easy to beat. Together, these 11 people, Malacalypses, and Detroit psych bands that Noah should listen to assisted our endless quest to fight a god with our tongues this week by giving us money. A lot of people aren't that into money, but we fucking love it. So if you've got some of that stuff you want to get rid of, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash scathingatheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended ad free version of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. And if you'd like to help, but not with money, you can also help a ton by leaving a five-star review, telling a friend about the show, and following at PIATPod on Twitter. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres. Tim Robinson handles our social media, and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark, who also wrote all the music that was used in this episode, which was used for permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingavius.com. Alright, I don't know why I'm having so much trouble with this. Which has barred the federal government. You know what? It's because I talked shit about the Micro Machines guy, and now it's in my head. He's in my head. He's, he's sitting there <laughs> in the back of your mind. Oh, it's tapping so his watch. Easy. So easy. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Warning, this is the last chance to run up our profanity score for 2020. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by Dog-Terrifying PTSD Inducers. Dog-Terrifying PTSD Inducers. Because you could just watch fireworks on your fucking TV and they'd be way better than the shit you could afford anyway, but then I wouldn't know how hard to go fuck myself. And now, The Scathing Atheist. Hi, this is Jay, an undergraduate student studying biology here in Washington State. And I'm here to assure you that we did, in fact, evolve from filthy monkey men. Also, we're all African apes, so cut it out with that racism bullshit. December 31st, and it's the last time we'll be able to blame this show on 2020. <laughs> no, it's not. No. <laughs> I have no illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And from Bill O'Reilly's New Jersey, <laughs> Cincinnati Red State and Redtown Blue State, this is The Scathing Atheist. Oh, this week's episode, churches PPP themselves and make us clean, clean, clean it up. Matt Powell debunks the duck-billed dinosaur surfing wing of evolution. (laughs) (laughs) And 2020 will fuck off and die. (laughs) Yeah, it will. But first, the diatribe. I know how weird this is to say, but I'm hesitant to say that this is the last day of 2020. I mean, I know it is, and nothing that I'm going to say is going to change that, but the way this year has gone, I feel like there's like a 10% chance that scientists are going to discover some previously unknown double leap year shit or something, and we're going to end up with a December 32nd just because that's how hard we can fuck ourselves this year. Right? I, okay, that seems impossible. But imagine that, like, somebody in Trump's inner circle just came up with this calendric Miss Havisham scheme where we just keep adding days to December so we never really reach Biden's inauguration. Given what 2020 has taught us about this world, how confident can we possibly be that that isn't going to happen? I mean, look, we, we, we have a bit of a habit of trying to assign personalities to years. You remember back in 2016 when everybody made a big deal about how many celebrities died that year, but then you... Go back and you look at the numbers, and it was just a perfectly average number of celebrity deaths in 2016. It just happened that early in the year we got it in our collective heads that this was the dead celebrity year, and it became a meme. And, you know, it's just like when you learn a new word and suddenly you encounter it everywhere. And it's not that it got more common, it's that you got more aware of it. And to some extent, that actually is what happened in 2020, right? I mean, a lot of people are doing the big breathless lists to summarize 2020, and they're including all the shit, like wildfires and floods and murder hornets, but like... That's just the shit that happens in years. right? I'm not trying to downplay natural disasters, of course. They're terrible, but every year has them. As terrible as they are, they don't distinguish 2020 from any other year. So the idea that this year has just been one thing after another after another is true because that's how time works, right? At a certain point... We made a meme out of adding this list of shit that went wrong together, so it seems like it's a really long list. But that perception actually threatens to camouflage what 
actually went wrong with this year. So to be clear, 2020 was a historically terrible time to be alive, but it was because of two things, not some comedically bloated list. The first, obviously, is the pandemic. And the second, just as obviously, is Trump's malevolent form of anti-leadership. You know, he, he got worse every year of his presidency, and thus every year was the worst year of his term. And when you couple that with the abnormally high stakes because of the first thing, you get the year that your grandkids will get sick of hearing you bitch about. And as tempting as it is to use this moment to bid it an unceremonious get the fuck out, I think it's more important than ever that we remind ourselves that New Year's Day is just an arbitrary spot on the calendar. I mean, it doesn't even have astronomical significance. I mean, I have no doubt that 2021 will be a better year. We we have multiple vaccines now. Trump is out of office in a few weeks. Breath of the Wild 2 is supposed to come out. All solid advances. But there are also a lot of things about 2020 that cannot be undone. I mean, the most obvious, of course, are the deaths. Over a third of a million people just in the U.S., very nearly two million people worldwide. And let's be clear, the real numbers are almost certainly way higher than that. But we lost a lot more than lives this year. We also forever lost that comforting illusion that deep down, most of us are good people. We're not. I mean, maybe a bare majority of us are, but even that's suspect at this point. What we know for sure is that way more people in this country are morally bankrupt than we were ever willing to admit before. I mean, we, we knew we were stupid, right? Like even the most patriotic homer in america had to admit that we were dumber than most countries and and that's how we explained trump away in 2016 we convinced ourselves that we were just too stupid to see what he was and what he was going to do but we couldn't use that excuse again in 2020 i mean sure biden won but his margin was nowhere near decisive enough to redeem us from the righteous judgment of history and we can throw away this year's calendar or <laughs> beat it up with baseball bats and set it on fire, whatever you have to do. But we're never going to rid ourselves of the knowledge that more than a third of this country would burn it all down over their God-given right to hate gay people. You know, ultimately, when we look back on 2020 as a society, we'll probably try to blur that part out as much as we can. We're, we're going to dwell on the feel-good stories about communities coming together and medical workers persevering and normal people coping online. And we'll dutifully focus on all the people who died, but we won't focus on the people who killed them. We'll, we'll pretend that the anti-mask conspiracists were some tiny sliver of aberration rather than stuff like, you know, the entire town I live in. I mean, maybe when you and I are gone, historians will start being honest about this, but mostly we're going to avoid those uncomfortable facts so that we can get back to lying to ourselves about how our neighbors are good deep down. And of course, when I say we, I mean they. I am not talking about us. Because while everybody else tries to reduce this past year to cultural symbols like people wearing masks, you and I are going to remember it as a year when a lot of people took their masks off. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are the adios and adieu to my outfitter Zane Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick. Fellas, are you ready to bid this year a firm fuck off? Fuck <laughs> face 2020. <laughs> Damn right I am going to lower a Joe Biden vaccine into my eyeball at the stroke of midnight, Noah. Yeah. <laughs> As God intended. Yeah, I heard fuck your face, and he's really committing to yeah, the yeah. <laughs> dedication. All right, in our lead story tonight, we have a story about Matthew Tiberius Powell. <laughs> Get the fuck excited. This 
25-year-old tween makes me so <laughs> goddamn happy. So normally we have to sift through these horrible headlines every week. The vaccine ate my eyeball. Pastor fucks child, yells ethnic slur, gets mm-hmm. hit in the face with a can twisted tea. Amy Coney Barrett didn't die again. But <laughs> every once in a while, every once in a while, the next headline after those is Matt Powell explaining <laughs> that evolution is wrong because there were not surfing monkeys 34 million years ago. Yep. And that's exactly what happened this week. <laughs> yep. Here at The Scathing Atheist, we look forward to Matty P releases like they're a Marvel premiere. <laughs> you know, we, we line up outside of YouTube dressed like him. It's a blast. We have a lot yeah. of fun. No, I'm going to dress like a surfing <laughs> monkey for the next one, but yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> It. Yep. So Matt Powell made another video. It's called Noah's Flood versus Primitive Superstition. What? Which is not how the word versus works. <laughs> no. <laughs> not a great no. start. And he's out in the snow in this sad little field of scrubland near his mom's basement where he lives, wearing an all black suit like He's at a funeral for suburban sprawl or something. He just came from there. He's ridiculous. He looks like Slender Boy, the origin story for Slender Man. <laughs> or like or like Slender Man's rejected sidekick just so that he never becomes badass. <laughs> he's sitting on a stool that he very clearly flipped backwards for no reason. <laughs> oh. Because, you know, that's nothing when it's a stool. There's no backwards that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. And he starts by saying, I made this video. To school all those theistic evolutionists out there in the silliest possible way to sit on a stool. <laughs> Drop the mic, walks away. <laughs> yeah, so according to Matty P, here's the problem with evolution. Quote, we've already verified and proven that evolution is nothing more than a fairy tale. Uh, this, this is where he literally waves his hand yes. to yeah, he, does. he does. These are not the evolutions you're looking for. Continuing. In order for evolution to be true, monkeys would have had to surf from Africa to South America 34 million years ago on rafts. The only way that monkeys could have got there, since they found monkey fossils there that weren't supposed to be there, pause to remember how if-then works as a concept, <laughs> Continuing. Wave your hands again. Wave your hands again. It helps. <laughs> Wave it back for the if then. He got really confused with if then here. But he continued. According to evolution, because monkeys were in Africa, the only way they could have got there, according to evolution theory, was surfing the ocean blue. End quote. Okay. One amazing weird use of poetic language there at the end. The ocean blue. Yeah, that was very strange. He repeated it. Two. This is fucking amazing because I think this is based on Noah's Ark. Yeah. Right? So he's he he's debunking evolution because where did monkeys on Noah's Ark go? <laughs> yep. And his answer, by the way, is before you say it, monkeys can't surf. Okay. But, <laughs> so, okay, but here, here's the thing. To be clear, that is how monkeys got to South America. Okay, I mean, they didn't fucking surf, obviously, but they got there on these big-ass vegetation rafts, which exist. 
You know, as far-fetched as that sounds, that it's not, you know, your thing is 900-year-old guy made a fucking big boat was magic. <laughs> We've seen these rafts. They're large enough to hold a breeding population of shit. I'm sorry, like, I'm sorry did you have some other explanation for these 34-million-year-old fossils you just admitted existed? Maybe the fossils, sir. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, well, from there, he gives... Well, the exact same speech again, yep. but it's about <laughs> duck-billed dinosaurs. Why did the time. turkey cross the road? <laughs> <laughs> so in case he wasn't clear the first time, he explains how it would also be ridiculous to claim that duck-billed dinosaurs could surf to Africa across the ocean. And then he accidentally tells the truth about Christianity. He does. According to Slender Boy, quote, if you're still going to believe in evolution, but say... No, the surfing monkeys and the surfing dinosaurs is ridiculous. That's like being a Christian and claiming not to believe the resurrection. The resurrection is part of Christianity, just as surfing monkeys and surfing dinosaurs is a part of evolution theory. Without it, evolution doesn't work. Without the resurrection, Christianity doesn't work. End quote. I mean, he gets there. I don't like the path, but he does get there. <laughs> I'm like, dude... Your guy walks on water. Why would you bring up unrealistic water crossings as a subject, man? Stay away from water stuff, man. It's, not, it's never good for you. The monkeys didn't even turn it into wine along the way. <laughs> or did they? So the entire video is six minutes and 42 seconds. And it's delightful for so many reasons. He's trying so fucking hard, but it goes so badly. At one point, he literally says, the dictionary defines the word faith as, and he actually gives us the dictionary <laughs> definition of the word faith. But the absolute best part is watching Matt Powell get increasingly way too fucking cold and try to run. Yes, yes, yes. But the added pressure of trying to plow through it makes him fuck up his lines even more than normal. So the last few minutes of this thing have an edit about once every 10 seconds. And he's a little bit angrier and more panicked by the cold each time he comes back in after the edit. It's the best. Yeah, it's always weird to end your sermon with, Done! Fuck! Can I have cocoa with marshmallows now, Mom? <laughs> <laughs> and in putting the greed in egregious news tonight. Pastor Mike McClure of the Calvary Baptist Church in San Jose, California, is apparently furious that he got left out of my new book, Outbreak, A Crisis of Faith, How Religion Ruined Our Global <laughs> Pandemic, and will be damned to hell if he's going to miss the sequel. His strong bid to be its antagonist came into view last week when we learned that his church, which has been fined over a million goddamn dollars for holding maskless, undistanced services throughout the entire goddamn pandemic in open defiance of both local health departments and state regulations, also received over a third of a million dollars in PPP loans. Yeah, I'm, I'm just disappointed I paid someone to commit murder and they didn't send me a toe as proof that the job was done, you know? It's just... <laughs> yeah, Tara Reed's not happy, but if they sincerely hold her toe, she has to give it up. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's not fair, but, you know, who's the fucking nihilist around here? <laughs> All right, so quick reminder in case the people on Facebook are as stupid for you as they are for me. The very fact that churches are getting government subsidies to pay their employees is a despicable violation of church-state separation that directly conflicts with all the exemptions they claim to shit like, you know, taxes and anti-discrimination laws. So all by itself, that should be plenty to piss you off. But in this asshole's case, the church never even shut down. 
right? The whole point of the PPP, that's the Paycheck Protection Program, was to give businesses that had to close down money so that they could retain their employees. So as much as it pains me to admit our Supreme Court has made distinct categories out of these two, it's entirely possible that this offense is both unconstitutional and against the law. Uh, Noah, while you were saying that, the Supreme Court just ruled that circle, circle, dot, dot was the law, but now it's not. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Rhymes. Love Supreme Court decisions that rhyme. It's important. <laughs> now, it, it, there's been a remarkable forgiveness on the part of the federal government when it comes to bilking these funds. Like, an insane number of businesses and individuals that receive money under false pretenses have been allowed to go like, oh, my bad, and then just give it back as though... They just got caught trying to sneak one of the cupcakes before the party. And the only reason I'm not certain that we're going to see the same thing happen here is I'm kind of doubt this asshole's going to give back the money. Yeah. And in Shotten, the armor of God news, right wing pastor and owner of evolution's officially laziest made ears, Robert Jeffress, <laughs> couldn't end the year without spiking our blood pressure one last time. Namely, by claiming credit for the life-saving vaccine that has finally arrived, calling it, quote, a Christmas present from God. Who could have predicted huh. Hey, wasn't the president saying something about, like, injecting bleach in coal or something? <laughs> <laughs> I forget what he said. Uh, God sitting next to the tree all unappreciated and harumph. He's like, I don't know what you're making such a big deal about. I also got you the antidote, so... <laughs> <laughs> That was me. I did mine. I called it. Did me. <laughs> Fuck you. God signed the card on what mom got. <laughs> <laughs> so regular listeners to the show will remember Jeffress for calling COVID, quote, background noise three months ago. Well, just like the sound machine that keeps my baby asleep, it turns out that background noise is really, really fucking important. Which means it was time for Jeffress to switch gears and take credit, saying, quote, for the past 10 months, millions of Americans have been praying to God, asking for relief from this pandemic. And I believe God has answered that prayer through these vaccines. I'm calling these vaccines an early Christmas present from God. And it shouldn't surprise us that God would use science to bring healing into our world. Jesus. Okay. It's not that fucking early of a Christmas present. It's pretty late compared to the beginning of the thing. Maybe pray for world-saving medicine to be a little faster next time. I don't know if praying is your thing. Yeah. It's weird for you to put a long fuse on that. Why would you do that? Especially since it, like, it happened before last Christmas. That's when the disease started. Yeah. <laughs> 19. Uh, it's COVID. Yeah, that's right. Well, I love that because based on the speed, it's either really, really fast for science or way too slow for God. Right. <laughs> and if what Jeffress says sounds like convenient bullshit made up in a desperate attempt to cape for God's failure, don't worry. Jeffress has you covered because sometimes scientists believe in God. What? Checkmate. <laughs> Quote. What's happening? I mean, after all, in the past, people like Isaac Newton and Blaise Pascal and Louis Pasteur were not just men of science, but men of faith who believed God created this world in an orderly way that could be studied and benefited from, end quote. And, and I'm also I'm sure there was also a scientist that lived in a century that's next to the one that we live in on the timeline who believed my shit, too. I just can't come up with any names as all. Yeah. And thanks to Isaac Newton's very solemn prayer. The derivative of x squared is 2x, and we're welcome. <laughs> That's good. 
And one last reminder, Jeffress isn't just unfairly claiming credit for the solution. He's part of the problem. Let's not forget that he hosted a literal super spreader event in his church in June and has been encouraging other churches to unsafely reopen since the very beginning of the pandemic. So, yeah, Robert Jeffress really Eiffel towering this problem from both ends. (laughs) And on that note, we're going to pause for a moment and hand things over to my lovely wife, Lucinda. A man wrote the Bible. A whore is what she wants. If it's a legitimate rape. It is a slut, right? Hey, cooking can be fun. Hey, I'm proud of a man. This week in Massachusetts. If you've never heard of Ravi Zacharias, I totally forgive you. He was an incredibly insignificant person. But if your husband suckers you into reading bullshit Christian books, you'll know the name. For decades, he was one of the leading authors in the world of Christian apologetics. And he was well known enough that when he died in May... Top-ranking U.S. evangelical Mike Pence spoke at his funeral. And then about six minutes after he was interred, the sexual assault allegations started rolling in. See, in addition to his ministry, Zacharias owned a couple of health spas in Georgia. And according to multiple former employees, he had been, quote, sexually out of control with the female therapist over whom he had professional power, end quote. An investigative report in Christianity Today is a little more explicit. They had three women on record that say he, quote, touched them inappropriately, exposed himself, and masturbated during regular treatment, end quote. This went on for years. Now, to their credit, when these allegations surfaced, the ministry did hire a law firm to conduct an outside investigation and have been open about the findings so far. But how low is the fucking bar before that's even worth mentioning? They didn't lie to cover up the crimes of a dead man, and at this point, that's more than we can expect from a ministry. And the whole thing is yet another reminder that the louder a Christian proclaims their moral authority, the more immoral they turn out to have been the entire time. That kind of hypocrisy springboards me into our next story pretty nicely. And that's the most recent press release from Operation Rescue. Quick refresher, they're the Kansas anti-abortion group most directly associated with the 2009 assassination of Dr. George Tiller. After years of disseminating manufactured propaganda against him, he was eventually killed by an operations rescue supporter that had donated thousands of dollars to the group and got information about Dr. Tiller's whereabouts from their senior policy advisor. Now, you'd think that a group that inspired murder like that would have already reached peak hypocrisy when it came to calling themselves pro-life. But every year, the group gives out what they call the Malachi Award for service to the pro-life movement. Well, this year, they decided that the person that best exemplified the pro-life stance was none other than Donald fucking Trump, the man responsible for the most American deaths since the guy who invented gunpowder. It's funny. Originally, I thought about doing a misogyny year in review thing for this segment, but then I saw that story and I was like, how could any summary encapsulate 2020 better than a story about an anti-abortion group patting Donald Trump for, quote, building a culture of life? End quote. And on that note, I'll hand things back over to Noah, Heath, and Eli. Thank you, Lucinda. And in Knots and Squares news, as the pandemic rages its way across our nation, decimating the population and medical structure of parts of the country that believed it would go untouched by COVID-19, many of the governors responsible for the early opening of states and therefore the deaths of thousands have had to take a good hard look at themselves in the mirror this week and declare a day of prayer. Yep. Great. So, okay, just a thought. If remote God magic works, 
maybe just, uh, I don't know, stop going to church in person and spreading the fucking plague that you're yeah. praying about now. There you go. There you go. And, hey, the correct response in the event that remote god magic doesn't work is the same one. Yeah, <laughs> either no. way I do that. Win-win. <laughs> Win, win. Yeah, that's right. Instead of the badly needed lockdowns that will save countless lives, several governors who have been part of the problem from the very start have issued proclamations asking their constituents to think real hard and solve COVID. Yep. Because if there's one thing these governors are bad at, it's thinking. Yeah. Yeah, they, they always say thoughts and prayers, and I'm always thinking it's one or the other, dude. Yeah. So first up comes Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves, who looks like they're coming out with a new line of commercials about a Mac, a PC and a computer filled with child porn. (laughs) He declared a statewide day of prayer, humility and fasting, saying, quote, we know that there is power in prayer. In fact, it is what God commands us to do. As we have done throughout the history of this country, we will go to the Lord and ask for his protective hand over us. End quote. Uh, also, uh, let's also pray for God to tell my face that I'm not a baby who's proud about shitting just now. That would be great. <laughs> so I can talk about real things without looking like an insane person like I always do. <laughs> and last, and certainly least as a human being, Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts, who rejected the idea of mask mandates because they, quote, create resistance, end quote. What? To the virus? Pro- yep. Has like probably like fucked. physical resist like you can't he puts them on in a way that he can't breathe at so point so unclear but he's probably fucked his state the hardest so he declared his day of prayer in the fanciest most capital letters <laughs> so God would see him first yeah uh-huh. so this proclamation and you should check the link in the show notes because there's a picture of it and it's fucking nuts it's all decked out to look like a medieval page of the Bible with I kid you not monastically gold embroidered Corn at the corners. Yes. <laughs> so weird. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we're all invited to a bar mitzvah for a scarecrow. <laughs> Something like that. So, yeah, for those of you keeping score, as the vaccine sweeps the country, protecting frontline healthcare workers and people most vulnerable to the illness, the score is still something science negative, a whole fucking bunch religion. Yep. And if you need specifics on that, check out Outbreak, A Crisis of Faith, How Religion Ruined Our Global Pandemic, now on Amazon. And finally tonight, in Spit Happens News, <laughs> I got to spit in Jesus' face. <laughs> and, and look, look, when it comes to aspirations, there are some things that go on your bucket list, there are some things that go on your vision board, and there are some things that you don't even dare to dream about, and this was in the latter category. I figured, you know, dead for centuries, if he ever existed at all, time travel isn't logically possible, even if it was, I'm pretty sure somebody wouldn't let me do that, and I left it at that, but somehow... <laughs> I managed it still, and if it hadn't been for Christian radio host and COVID-surviving COVID denier E.W. Jackson, I might not even have realized it. But luckily for me, he said that Georgia voters who cast their ballots for Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff in the upcoming Senate runoff, quote, might as well spit in Jesus' face because Warnock and Ossoff have both done that, end quote. Okay, I'm pretty sure that was Ossoff's great-great-great-grandpa or something. Come on. (laughs) We don't know which of the Jews did what. But but in fairness, that great-great-grandpa was blind, and Jesus spat in his face and said, you're welcome. And grandpa was, you know, still blind because that's nothing, so he just spat back. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. Jesus didn't have a big problem with spitting in people's faces, as I recall. Like his thing. 
So yeah, after a long lamentation about how both of them are pro-abortion and advocates for LGBTQ rights, he points out that those are foolish positions, and since Psalm 14 tells us that the fool says in his heart that there is no God, that must mean that Warnock and Ossoff don't believe in God, <laughs> despite half of them being a pastor. And, and, and while your head is trying to reverse engineer his logic on that, he adds, quote, if you vote for them, you might as well vote against God, end quote. So I... On the off chance that you're a registered voter in Georgia and you were still on the fence about finding a stamp, you got that going for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but now, based on what we know from this year's election, if God were on the ballot, 40% of this country would be like, yes, he did turn a lady to salt, but Hunter Biden had a computer, y'all. A computer. <laughs> Please interview me in a major news publication to search for my humanity. <laughs> Not there. Not there. No. Hey, Tucker. So, of course, E.W. wasn't the only bloviating Baptist bigot bemoaning the upcoming election. A Christian evangelist and man who managed to sully a name known for outing a Teletubby Franklin Graham <laughs> took time off of being an escaped sentient prototype of the mashed spinoff of Hasbro's Mr. Potato Headline to write a lengthy <laughs> Facebook lament about the nation's future should the Democrats take control of the Senate. He looks like God decided to try one cube-shaped human. Yeah, right. right? Just, to start, just to spice things up. He was like, I'll do one as I've a I've been cube. shaping them all the same, more or less. <laughs> all right, you know what? Uh, the cube thing, not great. Mr. Mashed Potato Head, not quite right. I'm thinking <laughs> uh, loaded mashed potato head. <laughs> yes. So... Dust? Yeah. Loaded with dust? <laughs> I'm going to load them with dust. I'm the god of the universe. All right, so Franklin Graham's chief concern centers around the Equality Act, which would add sexual orientation and gender identity to the list of protected classes under the Civil Rights Act. And he described the act, which literally does nothing but add LGBTQ people to a list of rights havers that already includes religious people as, quote, anything but equal, and a, quote, attempt to rid our country of religious freedom protections, end quote. I mean, to be fair, at this point, our country's religious freedom protections are freedom from all the laws. So, yes, maybe. Yeah, no, he's right. a cube. You're a cube. <laughs> <laughs> if Time Cube was a person. There, there you is. go. That's it. It's it. Yep. Franklin Graham. <laughs> yep. Nailed it. We all found right. it. So, yeah, for the record, that's the kind of disinformation Republican boosters are spreading in Georgia right now. That and three to seven daily mailers about what a radical socialist Warnock is and how Jewish Ossoff is. On a related note, the Democratic campaigns are still looking for online volunteers to phone bank in the, you know, thus proverbially hockaloogie at the Lord. So if you have time or money for that matter, be sure to check out the show notes for more details. And with that important reminder, we're going to wrap up the headlines for the night. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Jumanji! And when we come back, we'll keep ignoring our mom's collective advice about what to do when you don't have anything nice to say. Well, if there's one thing that the end of 2020 tells us, it's that we really need to finish up the 2019 Vulgarity for Charity Roasts. So in the interest of chipping away that much more, gentlemen, are you ready to insult? Podcasting. Good podcasting. Good job. And you're over-reliant on the dash in your writing. How dare you? Fuck you! <laughs> I did a control F. I have no dashes. Punctuationless asshole. All right, so let's open up with a roast of Texas Governor Greg Abbott for David. Ooh. All right, Greg Abbott has two very different, equally horrifying looks. Look one. 
cheapest George W. Bush impersonator you could find on Thumbtack. <laughs> Look two, the lawyer slip and slide hired to defend them off the side of a bus. <laughs> both different, both terrible. And Noah Addison would like a roast for the Chuck Tingle masterpiece, Pounded in the Butt by My Book, Pounded in the Butt by My Book, Pounded in the Butt by My Book, okay. Pounded in the Butt by My Book, Pounded in the Butt by My Own Butt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Clever. N- normally I would be hesitant to roast a book I hadn't read, but since the other option would be to read that book, I'm going to live with it in this case. It's <laughs> tough for me, though. It's tough. I admire Chuck Tingle's continued commitment to that single joke. You know, <laughs> Heath and Eli, I mean, we, we come out with new jokes every week like a bunch of assholes over here where Chuck is just still squeezing a little more blood from that same stone. It'd be fucking impressive, even if the joke had been funny to start with. Yeah. All right. <laughs> He's squeezing blood from his own butt. <laughs> there you go. See, that's so much easier See? than what we do. It's All right. New joke. I did. Heath is yep. tough jingle. <laughs> Heath, I got one for you here. Tyson would like a roast for union tradesmen who are also libertarian. Is that Oh, my thing? God. Fuck your faces. <laughs> <laughs> hey, union tradesmen who are also libertarian. Um... No, you're not. Nope. <laughs> you're not. You're just stupid. You think you're Jack Reacher just living off the grid. No, you're not. First of all, Jack Reacher got a military pension from the U.S. government funded by tax dollars. And he got those checks in the mail from the Postal Service funded by tax dollars. And the Postal Service was using roads mm-hmm. funded by tax dollars. And you know how your house didn't get taken by Canadian warlords with muskets (laughs) yesterday? It's not because of your better musket skills. It's because of the police and the military. Centrally planned and, again, funded by tax dollars. Taxation is lack of theft, you fucking idiots. Well done. (laughs) Well done. All right, so Eli, Melissa would like a roast of Mitch McConnell, and I'm guessing now more than ever. (laughs) Yeah, boy. Mitch McConnell sucks so much the only reason not to go back in time and kill baby Hitler is that baby Mitch McConnell would use less time gas. <laughs> also, <laughs> we all stopped talking about this, and I don't know why. He very clearly got bit by a zombie a few months ago and is hoping he can get away with it by putting brains to a floor vote. <laughs> oh, sorry, this just in. It passed because Wisconsin yep. counts as much as California. So, yes, yeah, um, brains is law, everybody. I don't yep. know what that means, yep. but brains. <laughs> And Heath, Betty would like you to insult the absolute shit out of cancer. Oh, good one. Okay, well, cancer, it's kind of like Republicans moving into your town. You know what I mean? Like, you try to do regular checkups to stay ahead of it. (laughs) You catch it early. You can just, like, cut around the meat and remove them. But but if they start spreading, you have to poison them with chemicals (laughs) or shoot them with lasers and gamma rays. And sometimes that works. But then they show up again years later out of nowhere and they hide sometimes like black mold and they fuck up the value of the property. But (laughs) every year we do get a little bit closer to a cure. So that's good. According to the latest science, it comes from your mom and dad more than anything else. (laughs) It's kind of hard to get rid of. I'm not saying eugenics is good, but. For this one thing, I'm not saying it's good, but I'm listening to the pitch. I'm listening. <laughs> you, I'll hear you out. Maybe prima nocta? No, it's okay. I, we're right. just talking here. We're just, I don't talk, think, we're just shooting the we, shit. We don't have to be. We're just brainstorming doing that. ways to cure republicanism. 
I don't know. <laughs> Ends, means, Machiavelli. Okay, Noah, you're up next. <laughs> Chad would like a roast of his brother, Trevor. Yeah, so apparently Trevor was a uh, youth pastor whose honesty and integrity got in the way, so he became an atheist whose kindness and acceptance is the reason that Chad was able to get through one of the hardest parts of his life. And also gives Neckbeard a bad name. Like, Chad sent us this <laughs> heartfelt message about what a great guy he was, and I was like, oh, this is going to be hard. And then I saw the picture where he's got this expression that can only be described as trying to convince Chris Hansen that he was there to check the meters. So I was like, all right, that's much easier now. <laughs> All right, Eli, you're up again. Uh, James would like a roast of the art of belly dancing. Thank you, James. Finally, finally, we can be honest about the most confusing of sexy dances. Interesting. For if stripping is Charizard and burlesque is Charmillion, then belly dancing is definitely Charmander. What? But here's the thing. At its absolute highest level... It looks like Quato is about to burst out of you, right? It <laughs> Good. It feels like Quato's going to burst out of you, and then Quato's going to tell me that my boner is cultural appropriation. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. I don't like it. Don't like it. I'm saying I like it. <laughs> and Heath, I got one here for you. John would like a roast of his boss, Brian. <laughs> okay. Cool, we got a picture. I always wondered what happened to Alfred E. Newman, so now we know. <laughs> Apparently he became John's boss. He looks like a super cooperative character at the beginning of an SVU episode. <laughs> <laughs> and he is definitely 100% the reason the HR department has a form letter about non-consensual fist bumps. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm, I'm going to take this request from Steve for his friends, uh, Paul and Kelsey. And this was a weird one because Steve says, like, I want you to roast my friends, Paul and Kelsey. So, I, you know, I set my insult meter to jovial ribbing. And then I start reading the description and Paul and Kelsey are the worst goddamn people you can imagine. <laughs> right. And Steve doesn't shy away from this. They're like they're pretentious, petty, Trump supporting assholes who look like if smuggling endangered species was a power couple. They, they, they look like they'd be all judgy about people's outfits in a hurricane shelter. Why the fuck are you friends with these people, Steve? What the hell is wrong with you? They got you? a good board game collection. You must know be. It. Must be. All right. Camo, though. I can't see. Oh, there you are in the hurricane shelter. <laughs> Cool. All right, so next up, we've got a round of special requests. Eli, this one is for you. Catherine would like a roast of the Gilmore Girls. Oh, an opportunity I will never pass up. Gilmore Girls is if all the girls who called themselves hilarious on Tinder got together to transcribe the most boring conversations they've ever had in an elevator. How dare you? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> People do like coffee. They do. This is such a bad show. They managed to waste Melissa McCarthy, an yeah, action movie co-starring Jason Statham, did not manage to waste Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> yeah, but the Gilmore Girls did it for 155 seasons. <laughs> <laughs> and then a new season and a remake. 70 there's years a later. One. Yes. There's a whole, it's a, you got to check it out. Did you love Gilmore Girls? What if they were less attractive and falling apart? Well, wish granted. Poof. <laughs> All right. Next up, Noah, I hate got you. one for you. Oh, so much. So you just passed your one-year anniversary of not smoking. Yes, I did. So give us a roast of what you'll miss after quitting for Matthew. Right, right, because he said this in before I had quit. Yeah, okay, that would be the great outdoors, Heath. 
Like, seriously, you tack this whole pandemic shit on top of quitting smoking, and I've seen the fucking sun in 2020 about as much as your average mogwai. <laughs> I also I also miss owing perfect strangers excuses for my personal failings. That was nice. All right, he, so fun. <laughs> Rui would like a uh, roast of New Zealand politician Don Brash. Ugh, gross. Okay, yeah. Don Brash is the Milton Friedman of... Of whatever. It doesn't matter how you end that. No. <laughs> Friedman of something. Doesn't fucking matter. And besides understanding economics about as well as a 17-year-old jerking off to Atlas Shrugged, <laughs> he spent most of his political career giving speeches about how the indigenous Maori people are the real bigots if you think about it. You know, they, they got all their land stolen, and the only people they want to take it back from are white people, and huh. that is racist. <laughs> if he was American, he'd be explaining how the Cleveland baseball team got persecuted out of their name by big Indian <laughs> conspiracy. <laughs> and Aggressive we actually trouble. have a photo here of Don Brash at age 73 with his shirt all the way unbuttoned. It's gross. That he took on purpose to promote his book. It's awful. He looks like the Pepperidge Farm guy started an OnlyFans. It's <laughs> terrifying. Oh, the things that Pepperidge Farm wishes it could forget. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so the next one is for all of us. Autumn would like us to take a crack at her mom and dad, Mary Beth and Kenneth. Cool. Nice. Okay, we got another picture here. So everyone's assistant principal apparently married everyone's lunch lady. That's fun. <laughs> They look like a Hallmark movie about the brave owners of a hetero-only cake shop. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what they look like is Mary, Beth, and Kenneth, right? Like, if they weren't assholes, they would clearly just be Mary and Ken or Beth and Kenny or something. But no, they're Mary, Beth, and Kenneth. And they also wouldn't be abusive, science-denying, Trump-loving bigots who have doubtless screamed themselves hoarse about a coupon at some point in the last eight months if they weren't assholes, too. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what you pay for. Okay, but on the plus side, Autumn's parents, in every picture she sent us of them, look like they just realized what horrible douches they are. <laughs> like, like the photographer gave them a 25-minute presentation on being abusive assholes and then said, geez. Mm -hmm. But Autumn, there's good news. If there ever were people to ignore COVID restrictions, it's your parents, Autumn. So, you know, fingers <laughs> crossed. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'll tell you what, that felt good. Uh, let's do another round. Eli, this one is definitely for you because it's an Internet person I don't care about. Stephen would like you to roast Theodore Beale, a.k.a. Vox Day. Oh, excellent. Vox Day always looks like he's saying, that depends on what your definition of farted in this elevator is. <laughs> this is a guy who was too racist and sexist for the science fiction community. Wow. Whoa. Space nerds. Yeah. Space nerds put down their 950th issue of Spaceman Spiff fucks a blue lady, and they were like, that guy's an asshole. He's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Noah, only fair that I return the favor here with someone I'd never heard of. Alan would like you to roast Nev Arden Gayford. Ardern, yeah, that's the Jacinda Ardern's kid. And Alan gave me the choice, actually, of roasting either the baby or her mom, and since I cut my own tongue out before I spoke ill of Jacinda Ardern, I guess the baby can go fuck herself. Hey, Nev, <laughs> it's what's up with all these pretentious fucking hats, you asshole? Oh, but I'm a little baby. I need a hat because I lose heat too quickly off my head and I don't have hair. Does it have to be a knitted pink bonnet? No. Does it go with anything else you're wearing? Get your shit together, baby. You're representing a nation here. Exactly. All right, Heath. 
<laughs> so mean to me. <laughs> Holly would like you to roast their rat, Toph. Yeah, so Toph is a patchwork hairless rat. What? And uh, it's kind of convenient when you can roast something just by naming the species they are. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. They look like those words. It's right on the nose. Patchwork hairless rat. Toph looks like Dinesh D'Souza trying to grow a beard in Chernobyl. <laughs> it's brutal. All right. Awesome. Oh, you know what that means or don't because it doesn't normally. We don't usually intro this with a buzzer, but that means it's time for another lightning round. The category is family. We got a bunch of people who'd like to keep their insults within the family tree here. So our theme is family feud. I want you to insult these first roasties by telling me the answer they gave on family feud that lost their family the game. Eli, you're up first. Sarah's aunt Carol. Oh, all right. Well, Carol was asked what people answered when asked about something orange, and she answered teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Though, to be fair, if those hundred people had seen her, I think she would have swept the board. That said... Based on the email Sarah sent, she also would have failed the question, what is a gun? (laughs) And the part where Steve Harvey asks your name. Wow. Interesting. Wow. (laughs) Better with Steve Harvey than Ray Combs in that joke. Yep. Cool. Yeah. All right, Noah. Tell us what Brandon's aunt Angela did to get her kicked off the feud. Oh, well, he didn't give us much to work with, but based entirely on her photo, I'm going to say the category was things you eat when you're nervous, and her answer was, you're still beating heart, motherfucker. (laughs) And he, this one uh, should be easy. Sarah would like a roast of her terrible brother, Casey, so what did he get wrong on the feud? Wow. Okay, this is rough. Sarah listed just so many horrible things about her brother, Casey. She sent a spreadsheet. As an attachment, his <laughs> egregious flaws are sortable. <laughs> and uh, on Family Feud, they asked Casey to name one single positive quality in a human being. And before he could answer, Steve Harvey jumped in and said, Being you, you obnoxiously perfect asshole. You're selfless, loving, caring, and a wonderful father and a wonderful brother. This was actually a reverse roast. Boom. Nailed it. There was no spreadsheet. That was a lie. Sarah loves you so much that she donated to charity just for this reverse roast and somehow got me, Steve Harvey, to be part of it. <laughs> Honey roast in your face. <laughs> well done. There's a request that we, like, build it up to be a, a real roast and then switch it at the last second. Honey roast. All right. Well, that's all right, nice. Didn't Pulled see the rug. it coming, Casey. Pulled the rug out from that asshole. Good father. Fuck you. Reverse asshole. I like how, based on the structure of that, Heath had to claim to be Steve Harvey for that bit. I didn't know what to do. I felt... Yeah, I didn't. It's weird. It's weird. Channel, I, I don't know what... You didn't have to do the says. makeup. All right, so you let's stay not. in the family here. We're going to keep it seasonal, though. For this following spiting round, I want you to tell me what the roastie got for Christmas. I'm going to go first with Raymond's grandmother, Gloriana. And based on the description of that heinous bitch, my first guess is the host still beating heart from before. <laughs> but so I'm not accused of Chuck tingling that joke uh, and, and given everything <laughs> that Raymond had to say about her. Let's hope it was COVID. <laughs> and Eli, as our resident baby expert... Tell us what Daniel's grandson, Alexander, got for Christmas. Jesus, I hope it was some fucking teeth. What is this kid, 40 and still no teeth? Look, Alexander, bring it in, kid. The all gums look is adorable for like a year, but then you look like you're aiming for the world's youngest faces of meth poster. Grow some fucking teeth, kid. Teeth. 
All right, and Heath, what was under Samantha's husband's cousin Karen's tree this year? Okay, well, hopefully Karen got the letter E for Christmas. Yeah. Because right now she spells it with a fucking I. <laughs> She's literally the Karen of Karens. But I'm guessing that letter E didn't happen. She uh, she probably got an advent calendar of expired coupons. That's my guess. <laughs> and Noah, what did Abraham's siblings Nina and Sarah get in their stocking? Uh, well, they're atheists that grew up in an Orthodox Jewish family, so probably not a lot. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to go with melanin injections so they can go outdoors without an umbrella. Jesus, the glare on this picture is uncomfortable, people. <laughs> I think they were an Agent Emmis. I'm pretty sure <laughs> they're in the back. Okay, Keith, special challenge for you. Got it. Kate would like a roast of her stepbrother, Matthew. So I ask you, what is the Christmas-themed incest porn starring Matthew <laughs> called? All right, so Matthew is a CrossFit trainer, and we actually have his official CrossFit employee photograph. And he very clearly just finished masturbating while standing in front of a mirror, popping his pecs <laughs> up and down. Because he always looks like he was just doing that. So the uh, Christmas-themed incest porn is definitely Fuck Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. <laughs> or maybe Oedipus Flex. Oh, nice. Yeah, there right. it is. Fantastic. fantastic. All right, finally, Eli, in this fighting round, what did F. Raymond's sister Monica get for Christmas? Ooh, all right. Well, Monica is an anti-vaxxer, Trump supporter, climate change denier who homeschools her kids. So, I mean, she could get COVID, but Noah already said that one. Noah already said that one. So if I have to choose something to get her, I'm going to go with an eighth grade science textbook. You know, just to really spook her. Just yeah, right, her. right. More, more than COVID would, actually, <laughs> I think. For sure. All right. Well done all around. All right. So let's wrap up once again with a few of our high rollers. Obviously, we appreciate everybody who donates to our big fundraiser, but we appreciate the people who make big donations way more. And we're going to prove that by insulting these last few people way better. So we're going to start off with a special request for Heath. Sam would like you to roast the sick bastards that keep making you roast dogs. Fuck all of you. Hey, people <laughs> ask for a roast of a dog. You're everything that's wrong with humanity. You're the people who try to do comedy during a wedding toast. You're you're the people who get the fillet of fish at McDonald's. You're <laughs> you're Republicans. Okay. You, know how, okay. you know how you have those those doubts about yourself. Everybody has them. You worry that you know people don't like you. Your friends don't like you as much as you think. But then you think to yourself, Nah, no, nah, I'm just being uh, I'm just being paranoid. You're not. You're <laughs> not paranoid. You are high maintenance. You do smell bad. Your face is. Shaped wrong. <laughs> You're Ben Shapiro, and society is his wife's desiccated, gravelly, dusty <laughs> vagina. Tumbleweeds rolling through. Everybody hates you. Okay, yeah, no, everybody Not paranoid. Does. Hate you. All right, so next Hope up. You get mauled by a dog. <laughs> all right, so next up, Jeremiah got a gift for all of us when he asked us to roast the authors of the conceptual penis hoax and their own 